Hey everybody, it's Nolan North, you know, Nathan Drake from Uncharted, and you're listening to the Geek Apocalypse Podcast.
I remember when I was so young, so young. I just wanted so bad to be someone, but you can't. Wanna save the world tonight? Do you wanna save the world? Try your best and you might spare the world Just tell the truth and spare your world Tonight, tonight, tonight Hello everybody, welcome along to the Geek Apocalypse Podcast! 100 episode! Yes, the singing version! Welcome along everyone to the 100 episode with yours truly Mr. Stephen Hesse and we've reached the century old 100 episode! Yes, we are, if we were 100 years old, I hope to God you're not listening to this going, I'd rather die than listen to this podcast because that would be slightly harsh. And, um,. There's, there's good reasons to be a century. Uh, like, for example, obviously 100 episodes is great, but if I was a batsman, for example, that's a great achievement in cricket. Uh, not for the bowler, I was just give 100 runs away, but anyway, this cricket analogy, the Americans switching off going, cricket? What's that? That thing that's in short of the dead? Yes, that thing you do not play, which uh, Simon Pegg's holding, a bat from cricket. Uh, but yes, so it's a great achievement, and obviously I've got a lot to talk about in regards to the landmark show, so thank you so much for listening. I should mention, though, because you here just heard a song thinking, what's this? It's uh, called Share the World. It's a song I wrote specifically for the 100 episodes. I hope you guys like it. It is me playing a bunch of instruments and singing. So if you don't like it, I've got no one to blame but myself because I'm the only one that did the damn thing. So I hope you guys like it. I worked really hard on it. It's going to be part of a video montage um, that I'm going to do with a bunch of people who have been part of Geek Apocalypse who are involved. So do check that out on our YouTube when it comes out soon. But... I've got a lot of things I want to say. Obviously, we had a lot of guests, too many to mention, otherwise there'd be another 100 episodes explaining how many people have been on. Um, there, there's some people who couldn't be on for logistic reasons, so the people that you've got on, I will be doing introductions to them individually, and the first people you're going to hear is Drew. But there's a couple of things I want to say, being that it's a 100 episode, about a couple of things I've been feeling during this. Because obviously getting the chance to reminisce, which you don't do usually when you're working through this, is two and a half years ago I started this show in uh, mid-2013 going, I really want to do a show which is honest and truthful and open and is an extension of who I am. And One of the things that this has made me realise is that I'm so proud of all the hard work, the 200 hours of, of content, because I think if you said to someone, name a number of the show and they listen to it, that would come across. And I can't tell you the number of guests that have been on who have said it's so easy because it's real and it's honest and true and, and worthwhile. And that's what I've been feeling during this. And the and the second thing is that um, the, the risk, because if I hadn't have done this, I never would have met the people who have been on the show, the people I've met, the friends I've, I've made through this. And just, I hope, like the song says, if anyone's telling you you can't do anything, then they're the ones that are scared and won't look you in the face because they're the ones that won't do it. And so if you want to do something, do it because the, the, the growth I've went through over the two and a half years, I'm a better person for it. I'm more open-minded. Uh, I feel a be- I'm a 
better human being. Um, I, I've met some great people, like I just said, and it's been so worthwhile. So if you want to do something, you can do it with a passion and commitment because I don't regret any of it. And all I'm saying is that I would want to do this forever. It's I love it. It's everything to me. And if I could do this all the time, I would. So if you supported this, I love you dearly. Let's do many more shows. I hope you enjoy this 100th episode. And I love you guys, and I mean it. Enjoy the show. Because we did it, guys. Yay! Happy episodes. century which makes me feel old which it shouldn't really in terms of it's two years so uh yeah it's just it's quite it makes you do sort of think about all the memories and in particular uh obviously we've had a bunch of co-hosts uh being on certain episodes obviously i've done a bunch of them on my own but we've done several where we've had another person involved and this good friend of mine uh mr drew has been on a bunch of them and i it made me look back in prep for the 100th episode all the stuff, all the episodes I've done, some of them I can't even remember, and I was thinking back and then going, yeah, that was a good episode, that was a good episode. And so we're going to get into that, because Drew's been in a bunch of them, so without further ado, my good friend, Mr. Drew, go to bed. Hello, sir! Mr. Drew. Mr. Drew, yes. I think anyone called me Mr. Drew before. It's politeness, Drew. <laughs> oh, Aaron apparently has. Yes. How is she really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, this is this is super super cool. It's really nice to because as I say, you haven't been on for a while, which I mean we need to kind of change to some degree. But um, well, I'm on now. Oh yeah, you want now? Yes. <laughs> no, I, see, I, I meant before yeah, I Drew, obviously. Yes. But uh, but yeah, I'm trying to think. Do you know off the top of your head? I probably should have checked this. I'm pretty sure. Was it ScreenCon? Was the first one? Maybe I think we may have done a ScreenCon oh. before your. Because you actually have an episode dedicated to you, as in it's named your name, um, which is which shows you were the guest for that episode. And I know I did that with Wayne, but I'm pretty sure you were involved in ScreenCon beforehand. I can't uh, remember which round we did it. Yeah, I don't know. Did we not done? Did we not? We've we done two ScreenCons. Yes. Uh, and the fir- if you remember the first, I think the was it the first one where it was with Chris because you were involved in that. You know, when you sat, we sat down with Chris at the end and we waited the whole time. Or was that the second one? Oh, God, I can't even remember. I know, yeah. This is this, this is what I've been spending, Drew, my whole week doing, I'm going. I was, when did that happen? Like, yeah. Do you know what I was telling someone? I was telling someone the other day with the, uh, um, when we went to ScreenCon. Was it, was it the ScreenCon one where we went and we talked to, uh, uh, we met um, Chris Barry for the first time? Yes. And I was saying that was also the time that I... Uh, I got introduced to the, that miserable man, uh, um, David Prose. David, Cro- yeah, I've I've said that several times on the show about. Um, I'm like, am I allowed to say that? No, 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 it's fine. I um, yeah. I, I spoke to someone. I spoke to someone about this. Was not 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 the Star Wars had just come out, but I spoke to someone about um, uh, like get previous guests, which is probably which is actually appropriate for the hundredth episode because we can talk about guests that have been on. And yeah, I've said oh, in you terms of the people I've met that. Most definitely, he was on the level of the, the the most annoying one in terms of just very bitter. Um, oh god! Uh, I mean, 
probably I don't think you we actually mentioned it during the the thing, but just the to point out during the actual show because uh, it would have been incredibly rude of us to. Yeah, but it's like we're on 100th episode now we can say what we want yeah that hasn't been addressed I don't know what that's, right. that's the official mark when you get to 100 episodes in a podcast you can just start saying whatever shit you yeah, want yeah yeah David, David, David Prowse was is is one of the, the easily the most miserable hmm. person I've not not just I don't want to say general most but like person who got a, a con guest hmm person or like celebrity but it's not yeah. really celebrity well-known individual i've ever met <laughs> you're not even gonna give him the tag of celebrity you're gonna take that away from him <laughs> he's not, yeah he's not he's not a celebrity though because you like nobody knows who he is well well the fact that he's been in one of the biggest franchises which obviously the film the new films come out and yet if you speak to someone like norman for example who's a mutual friend of ours norman uh, says, oh, the Green Cross Code Man. Because during that period of time, he was more known for, he played the character in the adverts for the Green Cross Code Man. Uh, oh. And that was what he was more known for, because that was actually him in the advert, as opposed to obviously being in the helmet. In the- oh, man, they should someone sh- they should have got, um, what's his name, James L. Jones, to, to voice over the advert. <laughs> yeah. But no, seriously, yeah. like, just because I, I don't want to just leave it as us calling him miserable. Like, oh, I've got no, I mean... I don't know because I've got to mention my reasoning behind it. Yeah, because because yeah. like basically that day um, was we'd we'd gone down together because you were like Chris because you phoned me up and you said would you want to come to this convention with me? There's I'm going to go and interview a bunch of people. There's a few famous people. There's uh, um, Chris Barry and Craig Charles who we met and we thought it was really funny because because you hadn't met Craig and That's I hadn't right, met yeah. Chris <laughs> and we both completed our meeting the main four that day. Yeah, yeah. That was like that was the thing I, I remember that day, but it was that, and then basically a lot of that day for me, I don't know if you remember this exactly, was because you had low battery because you forgot to charge your laptop up oh, or something. God, yeah, yeah. So you had to charge the computer up by that. Who was that? Like this is the thing I want to ask you. Who? What was the name of the actress that who lent us the table? Oh, uh, Pam. Pam Ro- Rose? No, Pam. Pam Rose. Pam Rose, what's it? Uh, yeah, who was yeah, the um, Empress from Star Wars. Yeah, yeah she was fan like, she, honestly. Yeah, she was on the show. She was really nice. Yeah. One of my favourite people. Yeah, like, she was. From going to conventions yeah. and stuff like that. But anyway, most of that day for me was sat with Pam mm-hmm. with our stuff because oh, we yeah. had to put our stuff behind her table. Yes, yeah, she wasn't this. always there to look after it. Yeah. Um, and when, but between interviewing people, you would come back to the table with a laptop, give it to me, and then I would charge it up for like <laughs> ten minutes while you've gone and prepped the next person. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And then that's what like that's basically that's what that day was for me. Was sat with our staff talking yeah. to Pam. You see, and that's I, good. Yeah. So, so my day was that. Next to Pam was was David Prowse. For those of you who don't know, body of Darth Vader. If you haven't picked it up by now. Um, yeah. and and just like spent the entire day just sat there, not really speaking to anyone just being miserable and there was like a massive queue for the red dwarf Mm 2 and like which makes sense which makes sense not me especially Craig Craig yeah yeah, Craig Craig particularly but Dave and I don't know if I properly told you this but like David Brown spent the entire time going like oh this this convention is so unorganised because like the reason people aren't coming to me is because they can't see me through their queue yeah uh, yeah uh, you did tell me and, that, and he, t- he said that because I think my because I wasn't around him enough. I think my 
And I did. Do you remember, like, as a segue to that, and you can continue, it just, do you remember that we did actually, and I, no one knows this, I haven't mentioned this on the podcast, and with you saying it being 100, I'll now reveal it, is, do you remember the fact that we had done a bunch of interviews, and and he was just, when oh, you must have the... told me that, because we organised to talk to him after Chris. We did, And do you remember yeah. we left? Because... Because we were like, you know, screw this. He's just, he's a. He, why would I want to interview? No, no, no. Because, because, because it wasn't like it wasn't. We didn't. You didn't like. It's not quite how you said it. Because it was. We'd interview. We'd we'd arrange to do the interview with him, and then you'd come up to ask him if he could do it, and he went, "I've just got to take some medicine or something." Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't remember that, but uh... he, he said to him something to do with medicine. So you were like, right, well, there's this other person I need to go speak to, so I'm going to go speak to them, and then I'll come straight back. And it was, uh, I can't remember who it was. Maybe went, someone like Ian Wright, because uh, the it was the someone you guy. spoke to very quickly. Yeah, you went and spoke to this other guy, and then you came back, and then he still wasn't ready. Oh, uh, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, um, <laughs> and then and then we said, and then and then then he said he was ready, right as the guy had come and told us that Chris Barry was ready to speak. To. Okay, yeah. And that's so right. we're like, yes, that's right. we're going to go and do Chris, because if we miss Chris, like, if it's like, if we miss Chris, we don't get to speak to Chris. Like, yeah. we had to go and do it then. Because so he was literally, because to... to context, just, just to put in, it's just really quickly, he, he, the reason he said, I need you to do it now is because literally after he finished our interview, he got in his Jaguar and left. Yeah. It was literally like at the end of yeah, the yeah. Chris, anyway, Chris yeah. literally stayed on just to quickly chat to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was really sweet. Nice. Anyway, yeah. doing that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. he, um... Um, but yeah, he, he, like, then when we came back, you, you, as we were walking back, I was, I was complaining to you about David Prowse and saying, I, that's probably when I told you about the Q probably, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So probably, I don't know if I told you this one as well, but, um, the other miserable thing he did just before we finished the story, just to prove how miserable this guy is, <laughs> was he'd just done a new book at the time. And to people coming up to it, like a few people came up to him and were like, oh, can I get you over? I knew who he was. Generally was trying to be like, you know, do the, do the fan thing. It's like, oh, you know, I loved you in Star Wars. You were great. I thought your body was great. And generally, like people were like trying to give a crap about him, essentially. Uh, like the people we should be there for. And he basically was just like constantly to each one of them, like, done a book, buy my book. <laughs> and literally with that expression phrase, just like, done a book. That's horrible. Buy my, buy my book. Just like, like, like this little kid had come up and been like, oh, I really like Darth Vader and, you know, like, I want to get, you know, your autograph. And he genuinely went to like this five-year-old kid who was just like, I like Darth Vader and I hear you did the body of it. Mm-hmm. Just was like, that's horrible. Buy my book. Yeah. That, 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 that just adds to, yeah. You, yeah. And then we got back. It when must then we have been back. you that told me that because I have said that story <laughs> on the podcast. And I, I don't, I, because as you were touching on, I was like kind of running around trying to organize what interviews are we going to do? And I wanted you to be involved in the Chris one and yeah. all that kind of, and Chris kept changing his mind. And at one point we did have half a chance that Craig was going to talk. And then he was like, oh, I'm only half, half yeah. the time. And, and so, and I, it was like a bunch of people who were like, get back, come back and all that kind of thing, which is what happens all the time, as you know, in conventions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, um, so, so yeah, um, you must have told me. Probably at that round about that point you just said, where you were like, "Oh, I've been sitting next to Pam, looking after your laptop while you've been running around sorting stuff out," and he's just, he's just like, you know, he's, the most he's not like, worth talking to. Yeah, um, he's not like he's, he's te- like honestly, he was like, you wouldn't have probably got much out of him other than I've made this book. You yeah, yeah. This book. And I think we said that, and we got back, and then uh, you very quickly you put your laptop in the bag, you put your charge, no, you put your charger in the bag, you put your laptop in the bag, you zipped <laughs> everything up, 
basically got to the point where like we're going to go and then and then David was like oh we're going to you know we're going to do this podcast thing no, I don't think he so even didn't said quite that. understand. He said, no, I, I don't think it was him. It was him or his assistant. No, it was just his assistant. Her assistant did, did the most of the talking to me. I never spoke to them the whole time. That was all right. Yes, yeah. the assistant was like, oh, we're going to do this thing. And then you just went, oh, we've run out of power and we haven't got the charger on No, I don't, I don't think I said that. I said I've got... I think Sweet. I said... No, no I, 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 I obviously lied, but I don't think that's what I said. I don't think that's I what think I said. I think that's what you said. I swear you said it was like something you like, oh, I've run out of battery or I've run out... No, I think I... battery or it was just like, we've got enough for the podcast? No, no, I... Um, I yes, I don't know. I, no, I don't think so I told other... I don't to... think I told other truth, though. No, I... I no. Because I would have been... Because we didn't turn around and say because he was miserable. Mm-hmm. I think it was something along the lines of just like, either you couldn't because it was the computer or you couldn't because... You just had enough for the like. You had enough for the podcast. Uh, I, I might have said like I don't know. There's two things that come to my mind. I mean, this is like two, as you say it, like maybe yes. two and a half years ago. So, um, but I'm thinking it was either one or two reasons I said it, it was either that, as you say, the ba- I could have said the battery died, which might have been half true, and I could have said that the convention was closed and we didn't have time, which was also true. Because as we say, Chris literally got in his car and it was yeah, literally Chris got in his car and left and left straight after we did. And then we were going to do another this other interview with David Prowse, which would have been another ten minutes. And they were literally by literally, I'm not sure as we were doing the Chris Barry interview, which I urge people to go back and watch. So listen to sorry is they were literally like putting the tables away and leaving just Chris's open for us to talk because yeah. we actually did it at his signing desk. And if you remember, which is one of the coolest things. Even still now, 100 episodes in, is that he did the whole... It, you, was it you that asked them to do I'm pretty sure it was you, because I, I don't think I would have had the, the courage, but you asked yes. them to do the Ace Rimmer, which is super the awesome. Ace Rimmer. The Ace yeah. Rimmer. That was, the, that was awesome. Uh, the other, I mean, the other awesome thing you did, which we didn't get on the podcast, because it would have been really an odd thing to get on the podcast, yeah, yeah. but that lasted over both times that we were there was the uh, him phoning my brother. Oh, yes! That was, was the, it. Which time was that? Was that the UK Games so, Expo? No, no, it was both times. We tried oh, to get it. So the first time, we it was during the signing. It was just after you'd asked him to be on the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just after you'd asked him to be on the... No, 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 one minute. No, sorry. No, because his queue was massive at that point. It was right when his queue was dying down. And I had to... Like, you asked me to go over because you're in the middle of an interview with someone else. Because, again, like, basically, as I say, when I go and help... Like, I'll go and help Steve with the, the doing the, the conventions and stuff like that because I quite like going to them. But um, essentially, like for the most part, what I do to help Steve is I do all the the the, the, the bitch work while he does the, all of the recording. So I'll go and like very, up very to people, go go up to people, and basically, you know, uh, Steve, you know, it's commonly because Steve will go up and introduce himself and get the interview. He won't leave that to me because he's very sensible. Um, but so, but it'll <laughs> be like, but even someone you like, you'll be like, uh, yeah, there's this thing. Uh. So it's my thing. It's my mate. He wants you to record this thing. He's, no, Steve's very sensible. You know, he, he goes up and interviews. He does all the. He does because he does it all. But he's professional. Steve's a professional. Oh, but like, I have to go up. He's occasionally send me to go to people and should be like, look, um, Steve was going to come talk to you now, but in ten minutes' time he'll be ready. Is that okay? Or you know, Steve's just interviewing one person now and then he's going to come to you. That's generally most of it. And it was, I think it was one of those of just like we were trying to catch when Chris was free. So you were. I think your instruction was pretty much sit by Chris. And just if he looks free, let me know. Yeah, like come try and come find me and let me know. Well, so also around- as well, he originally said, if you remember from from my recollection, and this happens all the time in interviews, uh, uh, in conventions, it happens all the time. I, I, I can tell you some behind the scenes stuff, MCM, which I don't even think I've had a chance to talk to you about. 
is um, because oh, that was very recently is that happens at conventions all the time because they just they don't know because yes. the, the the thing changes the whole time. So originally, like 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 when I touched on the Craig said, I had half a chance to talk to him because he had a scheduled break. Now, what usually happens in conventions where I've been to God knows how many now is that they um they they always end up going their their, their break either gets changed or they don't have one and. And to be honest, and I, I, I mean, I don't. This is obvious, I think. So I don't think I'm, I'm saying anything disparaging. But Chris and Craig probably looked at their queue and how much potential money they'd make off, off people signing them. That they went, okay, we'll not, we'll not have a break. And I've seen that happen before. I don't yeah, really they, have a problem with that. I um, mean, well, it happens with the, the, the good, the good fan, the good yeah, people who join. Yeah, and it's not like, as you say, it's not like David Proud will like buy my book, like because you know Robert Llewellyn was selling his book at Dimension Jump, and he's. Um, uh, he's one of, uh, uh, yeah, you would, I don't, you you haven't met Rob, have you met Robert Llewellyn? I've met Robert Llewellyn, but I've not met him on through, oh, through this, yeah. Because I've I've interviewed him twice, uh, I've spoken to him twice, actually, I only interviewed him once, but, um, he was at MCM very briefly, and he did, he literally was just handcuffed by the time. So, point I'm getting at, which we're touching on, is that, um, Chris was like that at that particular, at screen, because it was only over half a day. Yeah, you're right. Chris, Chris, basic. I think because Craig's reaction was along the line of like, "You was doing your show, his radio show." That yeah, day. he's like, "I'm doing my radio show." So my answer is like, "If I can find the time." Hmm. Uh, and and, fair enough. And Chris's yeah. was pretty much along the lines of just like, "Just we'll do it find me when I'm like I'm not doing the signing, and yeah. I'll do it." Um, so it was getting towards the end of the day, and I, like I say, your instruction was pretty much along the line of stick by Chris. If Chris looks free. Let come and find me, and we'll talk to Chris. Because really, yeah, we did really want to talk to him. Yeah. So I queued, so I queued up, and I sort of went and said hi again. I just went like, because uh, because I thought if I get in the queue, and then like I'll just keep moving to the back, mm-hmm. and then like then I'll just be like the last person to speak to him, and then say like, Chris, you there's no one here to see you now. Can you can you come <laughs> speak to Steve? <laughs> Which doesn't really work. I've done that. I've tried to do that before in conventions, and then someone always like latches on, and you're like, "No!" Well, I managed no. to be the last. I managed to be like the last person, and then I said to him, "Like, could you call? Like, like basically, because um, I think literally just as I was about to say hello, three people appeared out of nowhere and, and got in the queue. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, "Well, you know, if I try and get my brother on the phone, will you, will you call my brother?" And he was like, "Yeah." So we caught. I called home, and and tried. You know. Uh, you know, I'm going to try and call back in a minute. Uh, be be free because he's available to to to. to uh, oh no, I didn't, I didn't tell him what it was, but I was just like, you know, I'm going to put you on the phone with someone. Can you just be free? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do remember. Uh, I do remember and then I tried to call back, and I think you had appeared at this point. Mm-hmm. And I was around for the, the other three. Yeah, people. that's right, because I was around yeah. for that phone call. Because then he assigned for a couple of people, and then I tried to call him again, and then just the signal was so bad. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, you're like, oh yeah, didn't it not work at one point? And he passed the phone back, and you're like, I, it, back no, well. yeah, I passed the phone. Like, well, basically, I, I was like, I got on the phone. Mm-hmm. It was the signal was really bad, and I tried passing it to Chris, and then Chris basically said hello, and then it just cut out, and I just couldn't <laughs> get the signal back. Yeah. It's like, no. So yeah, then we went. It was to, at the time out hotel, wasn't it? And the, so, the yeah, signal so we was awful. To, yeah, yeah, and it, so we went to Games Expo. Where we spoke to him again. Is that Games Expo we spoke to him? Yeah, it, he was the. Yeah. Remember, he was the random guest of honor at a board game convention. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I remember it in my head, and then the minute I said it, it was just like, that sounds yeah, yeah. Oh, 
I and was, remember at the time we were like, special guest. Um, yeah. UK Games Expo, as you'll know, as you know, has a, like they have like most some lot of conventions do this, where up until about two weeks or even sometimes like a week, and with the bigger ones, it can be two days before. Is they'll have a question mark of a guest, and you'll, they'll not reveal it until literally before the convention starts, and literally. You remember this because we didn't even know going there. And I think you said to me in the car, someone did, oh, let's see, you know, who else has come to the convention. And we just found out either there or on the way there that Chris Barry was randomly was added to the UK Games. Back wasn't it we saw tomorrow. him on, we saw it on like the internet or something, but it didn't put a picture. And because I don't. I, yeah, something like that. Did we not try and just be like. Someone else could, is called Chris could, Barry. Yeah, could it, could it just be a game designer called yeah, Chris Barry? Yeah, maybe. Not aware of. Maybe. You know? I think, yeah, I, when you said that, that made Stop me think, that. I think someone said that at some point to me, or, or vice versa. So, yeah, you might be right. Yeah. But anyway, like, I, I so, so we go into Games Expo, mm-hmm. uh, and he was obviously a lot less busy there, because it wasn't really the right crowd, to be fair. Um, he did, yeah. I mean, yeah he, a, and, like, he was fairly busy, but yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, like, I mean, when he, was doing, when he was doing all, like, he did the whole game show thing in the seminar and like people were interested and all that kind of thing but you're right like you, you know he was just like yeah there, when he was actually there. signing like for the most part he had like yeah. i think he had maybe about he had a good steady stream of about say a queue of about 10 people at most yeah, like, yeah. Sort of that. once um, every so often type thing yeah yeah like he'd have like sort of 10 people around like a constant queue but of around about 10 people never yeah. really much bigger than that mm-hmm. So it was quite easy to go out and speak to him. And I remember, like, a lot of the time was because... So, Board Game Expo, like, helping Steve at Board Game Expo, is like the normal expo help, but getting hold of Steve is, like, 20 times worse, and Steve is 20 times busier. And that's why it's 20 times harder to find him, because, like, it's also, like, three times the size in three different rooms. Yeah. So it's, like, is Steve at the stand, or is Steve at this place, this place, this place? And as I say, the one hardest problem, like you were touching on earlier, is... And for whatever reason, because conventions are either done in like a basement or a hotel somewhere, is that you, the signal, you, your signal's always the signal's bad. So and you then can't like go out and meet your listener. signal is good, because board game sig- phone signal is not bad. Yeah. It's, you just can't hear your phone going. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then when you're trying to get someone who's probably not going to be on their phone because they're in the middle of an interview with someone, um, and they are professional, um... It's really difficult to do that. So I think I must have gone up to Chris Barry about 20 times. <laughs> like, you know, Steve yeah. is going to be free in 10 minutes. I'm going to mm. find him and drag him here. Um, and then we'll, we'll do this. And he's like, yeah, sure, it's fine. And then I went with Aaron and um, I went a couple of other times. Just, you know, you, know, you definitely called to talk to Steve. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I could do that. And it, I mean, he was great about it. Never like mm. once did anything against it. Yeah, and then great, right yeah. after we interviewed, that's when I was like... Can I, can, like, I asked you this to the other one, can I call you, can I get you to call my brother? Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh yeah, I remember that, and the phone died and all that, and he remembered it, it was, it was really quite good. And then, um, phone my brother, was like, I've got someone who wants to speak to you, you give that, and, you okay, know, John, this makes sense. John was like, yeah. And then I said, uh, I said, right, and then I went, I went up to Chris Barry, and Chris Barry, like, was in the middle of chatting, like, genuinely, after, like, because after I'd asked him this and he said, I'm going to go and get on the phone, this other girl just came up to him and started speaking and just asked, like, a million questions. So I was, like, trying to, like, like, I've got John on the phone, not knowing who I'm going to put him on to, uh, and it'd be really funny. And John's my brother, by the way, in case yeah. no one was aware of that. Um, so I'm on the phone, like, like holding it so that he doesn't hear Chris Barry. And then, like, Chris, Chris, like, answers this girl's question, be like, I've got two seconds, I just need to do this for my friend. Takes the phone. <laughs> And just, like, goes from, like, I'm Chris Barry, and he speaks like he does his rumor. Yeah, yeah. 
puts the phone up to his thing, and he's just like, I'm East Rimmer, and just, just does the whole thing in Ace Rimmer voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, in character, perfect, like, just could have been scripted, just talks to my brother, you know, and, and it just, like, goes, smoke me a kip, I'll be back for breakfast, like, passes the phone to me, and then uh, goes back to this girl talking as talking as uh, as as um, as Chris Barry again, mm-hmm. and then uh, like get, get, you know, John was that cool? John, John was like, yes, very cool. I get off the phone with him, and then Chris Barry's like, oh, is that all right? And I was like, it's the smoking most brilliant thing I've ever seen anyone do. Like cause he literally just took it, stopped being Chris Barry for a second, was Ace Rimmer, yeah. Like, can't remember the entire conversation, but remember he ended it with, like, you know, smoke me a kipper, I'll be back for breakfast and all that. And then just passed me the phone, and just goes straight back to being Chris Barry for the rest of the day. Sweet. It was, pretty, it was pretty cool of him. No, he was super, he was super, he was super, he was super sweet, like, yeah, because I, I, I remember in that particular interview, which you were part of, was, we got to talk about, you know, that we, I think I actually did the whole joke, which was, you know, do you actually play Risk, which is an actual Red Dwarf reference, because he actually plays Risk. Yeah. And because uh, we, and uh, he actually did say that, oh, I used to play Risk, and we were like, whoa, really? Yeah. Because um, we asked, yeah, him, like, you know, that. do you actually play board games? You know, because we were thinking, you know, we should like, really like, talk board games being there. Yeah, yeah. Why are you here? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I guess. Well, you know, I he, he served somewhat of a purpose, but he was really just kind of he, he, he was regard his, his actual title was Guest of Honor. So yeah, it was re- it was really cool. He was there, and it was kind of cool to see him in. Like, uh, you're wasn't... um you're you're strobing a bit with the light. Oh, reason. sorry. Uh, yeah, you just uh, you, since you've moved it, you've uh, that's a bit better. Oh, yeah, it's just it was right on your face. It's all right if it's just <laughs> right near you. It was literally on your face, and just looked like you were like turned into like uh, mine Star Trek T one thousand or something. You were just morphing in there. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. No, but like it was good to see Chris Barry, and in not in a sort of sci fi. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah, he was called Guests of Honor. He just would hand out prizes and stuff. Do you remember yeah. they had like that prize thing at the end for like cosplay or something? And he uh, towards the end because they, they, they came over the tannoy and I think it was in the middle of the interview, which would have very annoyed me. Where they're like, "Oh, and now time for the prizes for the oh yeah," and he handed them out at the end, which they've done every year we've been there. So yeah, um, so yeah, it, he's, he was there for kind of that really, and same some of the seminar stuff where he, he did a. He did. He like did a separate seminar, and then he did a whole thing where they had a game show, which that guy who looked like Doctor Who did. He was on, yeah. I interviewed him once. That Richard guy who dresses up as um, he dressed up as Matt. Oh, Smith. the guy who does the um, yeah, the, the doctor, and he does the impression yeah, of the yeah, doctor. yeah, and he dresses up as him and stuff. Yeah, I interviewed. Yeah. Him, I interviewed him second year or something. We were there, and it was. Uh, did you interview the Dalek guy? No. He was he was my favorite. Oh no, I didn't even know there was. <laughs> yeah, was did you not see the Dalek guy? No, I don't think so. Oh, I might have done, and it slipped my mind. Do you not remember but... the Dalek remote? The guy who has the like, oh, you mean the guy who was control. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, I thought you... Do you know what? I... The way I took that, I thought you meant like there was actually a person inside an actual Dalek. Machine, no, which would have been even no. Awesome. Did you did you speak to the guy with the Dalek remote control Dalek? Oh no, but I know. Didn't you get a chance to play on one? He... Did he give you the? Wow. So like. <laughs> well. Maybe. Because <laughs> I don't think, again, I don't think it's something we brought up on the podcast. Yeah. So we're at UK Board Games Expo, and like, they've got a whole bunch of stuff that's really cool, and they had this guy um, who goes around, and he's got a Dalek, and he's a remote control Dalek, and it's always for charity. I yeah. don't know if he changes to charity, but he always does it for charity. I'm not sure if it's a thing he does when he goes to any convention, or just Board Game Expo, or what. <laughs> but... Um, he, and he's got a Guinness Book of World Records t-shirt on. Yeah. So I go up and ask him about it, and he's like, I have the world record for um, the largest collection of Daleks. I own the most Daleks. 
Oh yeah, you did tell you you've you've told me this privately. I don't think we mentioned this on the show. And then and then I was like, yeah. really? And he I goes, like, that's cool. And he goes, yeah. I mean, I mean, I held it, and then I had it for a while, and then I realised no one had beaten me in a bit, so I bought more Daleks, <laughs> beat my own records, and got it, and called them up and got them to officiate it all again. So he's got the first and second place in the Guinness Book of World Record in the largest collection of Daleks. Well, what's kind of silly about what he about? Like doing that, as if he just buys one more Dalek, he's going to beat his record every time. Yeah, he was really cool, and I said to him like, because he, talk, he talks about his collection, and he said, um, like he's got loads of the toys, loads of stuff. Um, it's not the one he uses the remote control, but he does actually have like, um, one off of the set of like Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Like he's man- he's managed to go and get one, and the one that he does remote control is built from the designs. Oh, the right. official designs, okay. which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I said to him, like, look, I know you're probably going to say no, but can I literally just nuzzle the Dalek, like a little, just hairline touch the 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 remote a tiny bit forward, just so I can say that I've remote controlled a Dalek, yeah. like a proper Dalek. Yeah. Because that's, that's totally the closest cool. I'm going to get. Yeah, exactly. No yeah. one's going <laughs> to let me use one of the official BBC ones. Yeah, exactly. This yeah. guy might let me, like, move this thing, like, a centimetre forward. <laughs> and so he went, yeah, and he, like, he just presented me the remote and, like, didn't let me, like, touch it and just went, that one, and you can move, like, that one. And I just went, like, right. So that's, like, the, the thing. And I just went, just and like, that was it. The pad, and it went, yeah. yeah, it just went forward, like, about... <laughs> A millimeter, and I was, and, and he was like, "Was that worth it?" And I was like, "It's the best thing." And I ran like I went and like found you, and I was like, I've "Just remote control, darling, it was great." Was it worth it? Like, was it good for you? <laughs> it's just so like you know, was it worth asking? I was like, "Yeah, it was the best thing." And I, I remember this thing like I've got to go tell Steve. Steve. Yeah, yeah. No, you, you've just definitely you've definitely told me that story, but not necessarily on the podcast. So yeah, <laughs> you've definitely mentioned that Dalek guy. I thought you meant just the way I took that when you first described. It, I was thinking I, I thought you meant an actual person got in the Dalek, like is it, which would have been brilliant. No, I've but. seen I've seen people who do that though. I was at um, uh, was it collect collectomania one year oh, with yeah. my family, and um, I think it was like it was when Dot Two was get, starting to get big again. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think Christopher Eccleston was the doctor at the oh, time. So really early, the first season. Really early, and um, was no, it must no. David Tennant must have just taken over actually. Now okay. I think about because they had like so we went to Collectomania and they had like um, loads of the golden Daleks mm-hmm. and they had some people who would climb inside and move them around inside and then they'd have like the voice changer thing to make them sound like Daleks. Oh, cool. And so they were in and around and they were showing people it and it was just like Collectomania in Milton Keynes is just in like this giant shopping centre. Mm-hmm. Um it's quite it's quite good to go to. But um they had this just like one bit where they had all of the, the sort of the various Daleks that they bought with them in various sort of builds. And then they had this one and it was this guy who basically this guy was in the Dalek thing and he was taking a break and then people were coming up to him thinking that he wasn't a Dalek a guy in a Dalek suit taking a break, but just the Dalek. Okay. And we're taking a picture of him, and then occasionally he'd move it, and people would have hats, funny, and stuff like that. And this, like, kid and his mum, and, like, I'll remember this forever. This kid went up to get the picture with the Dalek, and the mum was, like, taking a picture. And as the picture, like, as the mum was, like, oh, getting closer, getting closer, the Dalek's head turned. The eye stalk went down to look at the child, and the child hadn't noticed. And the mum was like, "Hee hee 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 hee," and then and then like the kid was like, "What?" Like because the mum was like, "Hee hee hee hee," clearly knew something was up. Mm-hmm. 
and the kid turns to the right and just like just all of the colour drains from his face to see this Dalek <laughs> staring at him and the Dalek in full Dalek voice is like say cheese and this kid like you know Scooby Doo when like something scares them and then they just disappear and, yeah. that kid just yeah. disappeared and then the mum had to chase after him like this kid just Fucked off. Yeah, I um, would. I would. Thought, so fast. Oh god. Yeah, I. I wouldn't be surprised if that kid still resents their, his parents even now. Like that's not a practical joke that might backfire. Um, it was so funny, and yeah. like they. I was they probably funny to watch the, it. Yeah. They had to chase the kid down, and I was just I couldn't stop laughing. No, that's oh, cool. So and because I've never seen it was just around it like like when it, when your parents would be like, oh, we used to be so scared of the Daleks. <laughs> Like, you're nuts. This kid is just face drained and disappeared. Hello, guys. Uh, Thank you so much to Drew. He's going to be back later in the show because we talk to him a lot. But what we're going to do is because we have a bunch of people to interview, we're going to talk to Clive Burrell, who's been on the show before, and he's from some kind of Star Trek, a Star Trek website, and there's a bunch of Star Trek news that we get into. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy it, uh, and we talk to him and reminisce and catch up with what he's been up to. Obviously, we talk about the episode he was involved in, about obviously Star Trek-related things, and it's really, really fun. So I hope you enjoy it. This is Clive Burrow with some kind of Star Trek, and we'll be back with the brilliant Drew uh, in a bit. Hi, guys. So my next guest for the 100th episode is a guy that I met through FCD events. Uh, I actually interviewed the guys from FCD Founders, uh, and they were really, really nice. And we ended up being part of media for said event. And one of the things I got to find out and get introduced to was a bunch of people who were fellow Star Trek nerds, just like me. And uh, this guy's name is Clive, Clive Burrell. He runs a, a website called Some Kind of Star Trek, which I actually kind of got my own sort of self-geek-like geek, kind of noise when I was re-watching uh, First Contact over the Christmas period. And then uh, when... Um, when the uh, when uh, oh god I've forgotten the guy's name who's Clive I know you're not on the, on, on, who's the guy's name um, the Zephyr Cochran yes Zephyr Cochran when he says some kind of Star Trek and I'm going that's what it was from so I'm sure we I'm sure we brought this up with Clive on the episode but anyway without without further ado uh, I'd like to introduce uh, who's been on the podcast before obviously Mr Clive Burrell hello good sir yes hello. hi again hello. Yeah, it's a pleasure thank you it's a pleasure yeah. To be back. Uh, so yeah hundred episodes I God it's been uh, I was just saying as a, I did a separate video which I was just touching on before and, yeah. and it was about just saying to people about doing the video montage which we'll do at the end which we'll do separately at the end but it was just you start thinking about all the memories you've done and there's something you touched on before we started which I want to ask you in a sec but you know as you say because you, you were mentioning uh, Clive was mentioning about 400 blog posts and thinking what am I going to yeah. do I'm like thinking 100 episodes which is like you know probably 200 hours of content and and starting from January 2013, and it's like, where do you start? But I, it's just like, and you start sort of thinking about the memories. But obviously, we're here to talk about the particular episode me and you did because, as I touched on in the reduction, uh, you we 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 were doing Star Trek related stuff, which yeah. is kind of fun. We talked, we debated about a bunch of different things. Uh, I mean, what can you remember about the episode off the top of your head? You, you got any ideas? <laughs> there was. I, I, we talked. I mean, we, we were on supposed to be for an hour and a half, and I think it was two hours yeah, in the end. We, we, we went for. Um, I mean, the amount of stuff we covered was everything from why I kind of started the site to how we were linked in with with FCD, which is first contact day, which is coming in April, through to Doctor Who, Red Dwarf, eighties TV. That's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. We mentioned Renegade at one point. Didn't 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. There was there was a lot of stuff. We got Knight Rider in there, yes. I think, and Airwolf even. I think about everything was touched on. Um, I think we even managed uh, Babylon Five. Yes. It just it was a complete. Yeah, that was right. Because we were talking about um, we were talking about uh, a CGI and like Babylon Five was like the, the first one that kind of used used it sort of exclusively until. Sort of then Voyager kind of took it over on Star Trek and various other yeah. things, but so I guess uh, I guess in relation to because I was I, I, there's some people I've asked to be who have been on way earlier episodes, so they've been on a lot longer. So it seems logical yeah. to ask you what how how are things been since I spoke to you? Um, really good uh, in terms of sites. So we you know so we got to 400 posts. Uh, we've been around for three years now. Ooh. I say we. It's, it's generally just me. Um, Got some, you know, we've, we've continued to do every sort of piece on the Starships collection. We've branched out and doing some more stuff in Attack Wing quite regularly in the novels. Um, and I'm just trying to get back into a bit more of, of doing more sort of personal posts and more sort of themed articles about specific pieces within within Star Trek, the franchise. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been a really interesting time. There's a lot of stuff coming that I've got kind of planned. I've looked back in the sort of the, the post bin and there's loads of stuff in there that I really want to work on this year. So it's been... It's not been that long since we talked, I know, but it's it yeah. feels like I've done so much in that in that kind of time um, and talked to a lot of fan productions and there was a whole thing on the internet with Manu into Rami, which was interesting, but let's not go there because <laughs> that was to do Renegades and the review that I wrote. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, um, yeah, there, there was a whole load of stuff uh, that's gone, but yeah, I've, I've heard with uh, Renegades. Uh, that's is that the one that Tim Russ did? Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've, I, it's. Uh, I, I will speak for Clyde. I'll speak for Clyde. I can only. Well, I can only speak in relation to, you know, during the podcast, which is interesting because it goes back to the chronological, you know, uh, numbers for us. Yeah. But yeah, Renegades. In terms of any Star Trek people we've spoken to, that kind of seems to be the the, the sort of independent film that gets the most criticism. Yeah, we can't say independent, of course, due to the whole thing that's going on with Axanar and and how independent they are yeah. at the moment. Um, but yeah, it was. It, I think we we recorded our episode just after Renegades had been shown, actually, because I think it was some, one of the things that came up in the, in the news as we were talking through. We, I think we were about a week or two after it had just yes. been properly released, and I know there was kind of not venom, but there was a lot of disappointment. I think in what had happened with Renegades, and I know it's now been taken down. Mm-hmm. Whether or not that's due to the whole Axanar situation that's that's brewing at the moment, I don't know. What's actually happened with it? Because we've, uh, uh, in, in relation to Axanar, because we had Alec Peters on, who, who uh, is the production guy for that. What's happened yeah. with Axanar? Something happened? So, so I don't actually. So yeah, it, New Year's Eve uh, it was announced that CBS and Paramount were suing Axanar or are planning to sue Axanar, mm. should we say, um, because they believe it infringes on their intellectual property. Okay. Yeah. And there's a whole load of other stuff to do with. Uh, annual reports and, and kind of behind the scenes stuff which has been going on so there's quite a lot of I did a piece on it about thank you very much for the, the advert I did a piece about two weeks ago on it um, on, on kind of my on both sides of the argument so there's a piece on there if you want to have a look on, on, on Scarst about about that but I know there's some more stuff that's come out about what's going on but it's quite a, a dangerous area to get into I suppose from a legal yeah legal yeah standard. yeah I'm not you know pure for it yeah it's that definition of what do you call an independent production what do you call a fan production the boundaries when do you become a professional production and when do you start infringing on what is cbs and paramount property it's kind of where the argument you know what's very funny about that like yeah we don't spend too much on this but it's just i wanted to know because i've obviously had him on so and it's funny because um i actually asked him that question uh because that was something that 
you know, if you're sitting in my seat, which I'm sure you've you've you, you've been you would have been in the same yeah. position yourself, where you sit there as an interviewer or sit there as someone on the other side of the coin. So like what Larry King always said whenever he interviews someone, if there's an obvious question, it seems complete senseless to avoid it. And to me, whenever yeah. I was speaking to him, it's exactly the point that you raise where I'm thinking, you know, when I, at the moment I'm busting my my balls behind the scenes working on a web series which is completely original. Well, I say completely original as in it's an original original thing, but not, yeah. no, I always make the argument up. There's no real such thing as an original idea, uh, not now anyway, because there's so many things out. But but my, my what I kept thinking as is, is he was talking about this and crowbarring in bits of Star Trek law that me and you I'm sure probably know better than most and uh, and you sit there and go but this is stuff other people have done you know yeah. so you kind of sit there and go you know there's a, as you're quite rightly saying that I, I remember asking him you know when does it stop becoming fan made where people sort of automatically assume oh it's fan made and it's low production I'm like how can it be low production when you know you're getting over a million dollars to make it or, you know and you've got a studio and you've created your own digital effects company mm. and you're paying a producer. Mm-hmm. And everybody that's anyway. been on it is, you know, when he sent me the crib sheet of the media, it was like every one of yeah. them had been, like, worked for Paramount at the time, like, you know, worked for worked yeah. on Star Trek Productions. I'm not having a go at him because I get it. And I mean, you know, because, yeah. uh, you know, in his defense, I'm not, it's like, we're not singling them out here, but, you know, if you do decide to do something that you're passionate about and involved in, and you go, and it's if it ends up that way because there's a huge fan base for it, and you get that money, it's not necessarily yeah. his fault because you know it's just the fact that people have gave him that money, and you know it's. It would be interesting. The only point I make before we get off this is, is yes. um, what if that was like ten grand and someone made like a Star Trek video? Paramount and CBS wouldn't care. You see what I mean? No, I think it's. I. I... You see what I mean? Final point yeah, before yeah, we yeah. do get off it, but I think it's the line between because they've produced annual reports, they own a studio, they've created, and and it's the I think it's not that if you look at the other fan productions, they will only be doing something for short term, so they're only looking at raising money for one yeah, episode, yeah. or they're looking at one episode, and they have other jobs and they go and do something else during the day. So I know that there are people who are doctors, they're you know teachers and whatever, and they go and do their full time job and then come and do Trek basically as a as a, yeah. a, a kind of just a release to you know do a bit of uh, indulgence. What you have with Axanar, which makes it different, is that it is that independent production. It's been, it was it was billed as that from the beginning, and how they are looking at Ares as a business beyond that Axanar that film. That it will be there other productions to choose, and that's where I think that Paramount are saying, "Hang on a minute, you you, you could be potentially." Making that in the it's a fair point. Right. It's a fair point, but yeah, that's a shame. But anyway, so like, oh well, uh, he's not part of the hundredth episode, so that's <laughs> so that's uh, that, that's that's uh, that's that's his mention uh, anyway. But um, in terms of, yeah. uh, we can stick with Star Trek though, because something yeah, that I haven't talked to anyone about, and you're the perfect person for it. I still haven't actually gone to see it, so I'm willing to hear what you what you think. But there's a is uh, um, there's been two trailers since we last spoke, as far as I'm aware of. Uh, there's been a trailer for the next Star Trek film. Which I haven't yes. seen yet, so I'm interested to know what you think yeah. about that. And is, has there been? Because I know a friend of mine told me this fairly recently. I know there's been an announcement for a television series. Like how far? How far is that yeah. down the pipeline? So the TV series was announced on December the second. No, November. Yes. I think it was November the second. Thinking back, um, so that's the only news we've had is that in that this time next year we will have a new Star Trek series. 
what will that will be? I know it was amazing. I was writing, the, I was writing my kind of stuff for 2016. I was going, oh, this time next year, I'll be sat here thinking, well, we've got a new series coming in either days or weeks or even hours that they're going to be putting out a new series. And um, all we knew is that it's going to be a new series. It's going to be on CBS's All Access, which is effectively their version of Netflix, if you will. It'll be their first first run newly made TV series. Um, and that's it. That is basically the yeah. announcement. There will be a TV series. We don't know how many episodes are going to be. We don't know what the crew is. We don't know. And the, what got me was the fact that within hours, everybody's going, oh, it's going to be rubbish because it has got, it's being produced by, um, I can't remember the woman's name, but it's got uh, Alex Kurtzman is the exec producer on it, who was involved with the first reboot movie. Hawking Kurtzman wrote that. They've also written Transformers and a variety okay. of other films and, and TV series. So Robert Orkey is still involved with the movies. So they've kind of split them off. So Kurtzman's gone to the TV series to, to exact that with, I can't remember a name, and it'll bug me, but somebody will, will yeah, know yeah. what it is. Um, and she's involved with a few series, and, and the two of them are working on that. And then you've got Orkey, who's gone off and done the production for the movie, was supposed to have been directing, got bunked out from that, is now credited as producing and I believe writing the story and then there's a sort of separate credit which goes to uh, uh, Simon Pegg uh, as well and the guy who's written it with him because they rewrote the story effectively that was given to them. Um, the trailer for Beyond is <laughs> worth seeing. I've see, I've heard, I've actually remembered that the reason my friend told me was because <sighs> uh, Simon Pegg apologised for the trailer. I do remember that. Yeah. It's, it's not down to him to put a trailer out. He yeah. wrote it. It's The trailer is very much aimed at the mainstream fans. So it's aimed at the people who will want to go and see Star Wars. And that's probably why the trailer is, because it, it is action-filled. It's, you know, Kirk on a bike. <laughs> um, so, so Run again, trailer, again. <laughs> I was like, why is he on a, he on a trail bike? Um, it's lots of shooting, lots of action, lots, a uh, couple of jokes in there. It's very fast-paced. It's got the Beastie Boys soundtrack which was used in the 2009 movie. Um, it, and again, they have Beastie Boys in the, the Into Darkness movie as well, in one scene with Kirk when he's in bed with the two uh, Cation girls. Um, and they brought back Beastie Boys. And it just was very big, opulent sort of show of, this is going to be the action side of it. And hopefully the second trailer, which we'll get, I would think sort of maybe February, March, probably more likely February, uh, is going to be maybe something that will appeal more to the sort of mainstream fan. See, to, to, sorry, not mainstream fan, your sort of cast, core Star Trek fan. And it needs to. This needs to be something that they're going to get grips on. I know people are going, oh, we'll boycott it because Axe now has been bunked or whatever. But I don't think it's going to matter to the majority of people. Will it, will it cause Star Wars any problems? No. It won't, it won't cause Star Wars any issues after the 238 billion that it's, you know, million that it's made and the. It's 238 billion, billion pushing like, it, but yeah, it's probably going to. Yeah, 238 million in like a weekend yeah. is nothing, you know, and a, a billion in 12 days. So it's not going to touch Star Wars yeah. at all. I think that's why they put that trailer out is because it was supposed to have gone with, with Star Wars. Now, I don't know if your cinema did it, mine didn't. Um, I got every trailer. No, I went, to see, apart from I went to see Star Wars whenever it was two weeks ago. Uh, yeah. Um, no, there wasn't a Star Trek trailer. Uh, it was um, in, uh, I'm trying to remember the trailers. Uh, yeah, I got every other trailer. All, all the Warcraft. Independence Day. Warcraft. Independence yes. Day. Uh, Daddy's Home. And oh, Deadpool. Daddy's Home looks awful. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't quite make yeah. that. But uh, yeah, Dead, uh, yeah, uh, Deadpool as well because my friends really, my friends are massive comic book fan of that. So I'm not. Yeah. Wait. I'm not a fan of Ryan Reynolds, no. but there you go. <laughs> I, I've, yeah. 
and, and, and yeah, it was supposed to Beyond was supposed to have had the okay. trailer with with Star Wars, uh, and didn't. And I know in IMAX it didn't as well. Cause my dad got to see it in IMAX in 3D, not annoying. Um, and I, he's still telling me about it like two weeks later. And, <laughs> time I got. <laughs> um, yeah, he's just he's just pulling this one out of the bag every time now. I my but anyway, you know yeah. whatever, isn't it, Dad? So yeah, it, it's it's. It's going to be a. I don't know how they're going to do it. It looks like the Enterprise gets blown up again. It looks like there's, and I'm just kind of. Oh, do they end up back at Earth at the end of it? And is it going to be another? And, and I'm. Just, I, I really, really fingers crossed. Hope Simon Pegg's done a good job with it. And we've only seen what he wants to kind of get people who just go to the cinema to watch explosions and Transformers. You know, that kind of thing. I'm hoping that's where it's gone, and that the second trailer will restore our faith. Um, whether that's an indication of what we're going to get from the TV series in 2017 is anybody's guess because there's going to be two different pieces of franchise now. So you're going to end up with you know the JJ Abrams movie vision, and then you're going to end up with this new TV vision from from um, Kurtzman. Hopefully, he'll listen to the fans and understand what they want. But and it's interesting. I'm writing a piece at the moment about the Force Awakens in relation to um, Star cool. Trek and uh, kind of my thoughts on JJ Abrams yeah. crossover, and it's. It's weird. He's JJ Abrams has gone back to the core originality of Star Wars and the original trilogy and has nailed it absolutely perfectly, I, I believe. But it's weird that you have to completely change Star Trek into something that is more similar to Star Wars and therefore lose its identity for it to become more popular. But yeah, people complain when it becomes more popular. There is a piece coming about that in the next couple oh, of weeks. I would, I would so like to read that because I, 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 I agree with that premise. So yeah. Yeah. I've got a piece coming. It's not going to be massively long, but I, I look forward to... to yeah, let me know when you do it. I'd like to, I'd like to read yeah, that. Yeah, I will, um, do, I will um, do. But yeah, so uh, I guess the, the, the thing that when I heard about them doing the new series in particular, because like you just saying in, in terms of that there's going to be people sort of branched off to, to look after one particular area, you know, if you think about it in the 90s, that was kind of the similar thing. Like, you know, okay, yeah, yeah. they kind of had people overseeing it obviously gene roddenberry until he died overseed all of it but then yeah and then brannon braga wasn't it? i would say Brandon braga like um yeah braga and, and berman were enterprise yeah. well they created enterprise uh berman pillar and taylor did voyager pillar and uh berman did yes. ds9 and roddenberry was was next gen and the original series um no, i don't think it is i think it's a it's ver- they are looking at them very i think they are two very separate entities Good. now the films and the, and the TV series, so you know CBS is all behind. But I guess what I'm saying TV. is, other than other than, but what the point I was getting to was that other than other than Sorry. the other than the films being um, that they, they, you know, like for example, in Nemesis where they got Admiral Janeway and stuff, which is just kind of like an homage to Voyager yeah. and various other things, uh, and obviously DS9 uh, pilot episode had the Enterprise in and and various other things yeah. had uh, the next generation, some of the next generation people in, but other than uh, like. I don't really think, you know, if this is going to be a brand new, like, crew in, a, in, a, in the future, then it's yeah. very unlikely that there's going to have anything involved in it anyway. So just by the, the mere fact about the way it's being made and what time it's being made in, that it's there's very yeah. unlikely it's going to be crossed over anyway. And I don't yeah. really think they, you know, when the, like, my point is when the films were out in the 90s, I remember growing up watching them, is that they never really you know, kind of like, oh, the film's doing this, so we have to do this with the television series. It was only really Next Generation had to do that because they went from the television series to the films. So they had to change yeah. kind of how they did it because it was a different format. But other than that, um, it wasn't too... Yeah, I mean, I mean the, sort of... 
there were a couple. I mean, there were sort of cross, cross references between the next gen and Deep Space yeah, Nine, a little bit, yeah. in line with the Dominion War and things like that. And the uniforms changed for Deep Space Nine because they took the first contact ones yeah. on. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So been, <laughs> yeah. Were, um, apart from them, there was nothing linked to that. You could argue like they could have just went. That was saving money, really. <laughs> Probably. But yeah, it, it, there, were, there were kind of minor bits that linked them across. But I think you're right with the with the 2017 series. It is going to be completely fresh. It's going to be completely new. Will they have cameos? I think they'll be silly if they don't honour the past in some way. Hugh uh, and make they could bring sort of, Hugh back or something. Like that. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the later Q ones were not my favourite episodes of Trek. What ones in Voyager? Um, yeah, Death Wish. Death Wish is genius. Death Wish is a brilliant yeah. episode. The two after it, the Q and the Grey and Q2 are, are awful. Um, and I think there will have to be some kind of nod to the, to the past to keep the fans happy, but they need to kind of do something really fresh and new. And it's, and again, looking at that, what are they going to do? Because they need to have that edge, that controversial edge that the original series had, that, that unique storytelling perspective, that ability to look at maybe as the, the original series did in the 60s, they need to be able to look at today and kind of go, right, where do we want to lay the foundations? Into Darkness tried to do that kind of cyber-terrorism yeah. threat that, that, was out, that, was, that was present around the time and the, and the, the first sort of decade of this century. What um, the new series has to do, it has to, to look at today's world and it has to reflect that within the, what it does. And that's where Star Trek was good. Exactly. And if, if Kurtzman nails that with a new cast... And if you're okay, so it's a bit more action-orientated. And the original series was full of action. Kirk throwing himself about doing double-handed chops and all sorts, you know, every week. It's just making sure that they get that that edge back to it. That maybe Voyager and Deep Space Nine and Enterprise lost because they maybe weren't as controversial as they could have been. Because I know the original series, you know, it got episodes in the UK that were cut from the original run that were shown later years because it had that edge. And at the time, it was it was you know it, it was pretty skirting it close on some occasions. Yeah. And they need to be looking at doing that. They need to be something that will get people to watch. Because you look at how series are now, they're a lot more controversial. There's a lot, you know, the, the cast isn't permanent. If you're going to put a cast into a first episode of Star Trek, you can't guarantee that they, in a new one, in the, you know, the way that TV's now, you can't guarantee that that cast is going to be there by the end of the seventh no, season. I agree. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's funny, though. I Just a quick, what, you need to go because Lawrence is just, I need to yeah, do yeah, Lawrence and we'll get you to do the quick video thing very quickly is uh just to say just to, to end that point is that it's funny i've been re-watching next generation uh, a, a little bit and the, the that yeah. episode um where they all start hallucinating and there's the that that bit where um uh crushes in the cargo bay and they all the corpses start like sitting up in the white sheets. Yes, that scares yeah. me still now. I remember watching that at the end, and I'm going, <laughs> "That episode has real some some real sinister undertones in it, you know." And it's incredibly, yeah, um, it's incredibly dark. And and I and I'm like watching this going to your point. I'm not convinced they would do that now. Like you know, no. And that's that's when you know there are some bits of DS9 which are quite controversial, and I I love DS9. Um, and but Voyager and Perhaps Enterprise played it a lot yeah. safer, and there are saying there's bits in Next Gen uh, when when Data stabbed Troy in the turbo lift in Phantasm, yeah. for example, and, and I, they cut yeah. that bit on T on BBC TV. They cut that bit out. Well, uh, uh, but, Troy gets uh, raped yeah. as well, so which is kind of like yeah. you know that's that yeah. that wouldn't happen now, um, yeah. you know. And I remember she, uh, yeah. uh, Marina Sirtis said she had a real problem with it, and it took a it mm-hmm. took it took a, a, a massive amount of uh, of. Uh, 
you know, she had to be convinced to do it really um, because she was like, I, yeah. I don't, I'm not 100% comfortable doing this. But anyway, just just to end this, and obviously I should mention, you should people should go to uh, to Clive's website, which is some kind of Star Trek, and you're also on Twitter, which yeah. is is it at S K O S T, isn't it? Something like that. Oh, on, on the Twitter, it's at the Warp oh, Core. Warp Core, of course, yes, um, yes. So yeah, if you go to at Warp Core, which I am, I, I am. A, follower as well so uh, please do uh, I do encourage you to follow Clive as well and uh, I just want to ask though in relation to the new series uh, just very 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 yes. quickly uh, do you think it's going to be set in the future and uh, if and do you think it's going to be good just in a real quick nutshell do I think it's going to be good yes I think fans at the moment are being a bit silly about blanking it when we've heard, we've heard nothing about it and do I think it's going to be the future yes okay great I uh, like, do you, obviously, after Voyager, do you think it'll be set set way soon? Hang on. I'd like to think it's going to be set away a couple of centuries after um, after Voyager. Sorry, uh, and, and really give us kind of a, a bit of a difference and really kind of move the universe on again, like it did from the original series to next gen. So I think that's what they need to do. Um, the the question is, are they going to use the influence of the JJ films? That's, that's I I, I, of... I think to end, I think a really good way of ending this is to say exactly what you said. Where if they if they look at what society's like now and and um, throw a bar that in and kind of uh, you know intimidate what the uh, like have that influence of what society is now, which is what you touched yeah. on. Because if you watch any ninety episodes now, it's all paraphrasing what happened during that decade. And so I think if they did that now, yeah, plus if you think about all the interesting stuff that's happened since Star Trek's been off the air and TV, they've got a lot to work with over the last twenty years. You know, because they've not been around for since Enterprise went off, so they can. Two thousand yeah. So they've got yeah. ten years, ten over oh, ten, just over ten yeah, years. Eleven yeah. years, You've got eleven years. Awesome. Right. Well, huge thank you, Clive. Uh, I uh, obviously thank, uh, congratulations on everything you've been doing. I'm looking forward to seeing you at SCD. And uh, yeah, if I don't speak to you before then, have a nice ta- have a nice uh, few months until then. I'm looking forward to meeting you. And uh, thanks so much for the episode. I encourage people to go and watch the individual episode with Clive. Sorry. Yeah, Sorry. absolutely. And thank you very much for having me on, and congratulations thank on Thank you very much. That's very kind of you. Uh, yeah, and so thank you to Clive, and uh, we'll be right back. Uh, and the next guest is going to be Mr. Lawrence O'Brien from Wutan Games. So we'll be, is it Wutan or Wutan? I don't know. I keep getting that wrong. I remember I got that wrong in the episode. That was really annoying. But yeah, thanks, Clive. Uh, we'll speak to you guys. Back in the session. Hey, this is Alex from Balabars, and on behalf of everyone here, I would like to give a hearty congratulations to Stephen and Geek Apocalypse for 100 episodes! Amazing! So a huge thank you to Clive Burrell, and uh, as I say, I do recommend that you go and check out some kind of Star Trek website about uh, all things Star Trek, and a huge thank you for him being on, and looking forward to FCD, so... What we're going to do before we go to Lawrence O'Brien and Wu-Tang Games, we just mentioned, we're going to go back to Drew, where we're talking about conventions and stories about Geek Apocalypse. So uh, let's go back to talking to Drew, and uh, you're listening to the 100th episode of the Geek Apocalypse podcast. That sounds great. Um, there's always a, a bunch of stuff like that happens at conventions, which is why they're always fun. There's yeah, conventions are the best, yeah. Because you, you were making me think, like, because, you know, because um, MCM London uh, in whatever it was, October, whatever it was, um, was, you know, there were so many sort of stories of stuff happening behind the scenes, similar to what we were just touching on. Um, like, the whole thing of meeting Nolan North was, was there was a whole bunch of of sort of, like, I, you will know the story, so I'll tell you it. It's basically, we got there on the Friday, and you'll know this, because you've been some with, some with me, 
is we got there on the well actually got there on the Thursday because it was London so I had to go in a day earlier and so on the Friday we were like having a look around and trying to organize the media and because it was like the biggest convention in like England um it was all done like sort of officially so it was like you had to say who you wanted to meet and then they gave you a time and various other things and the media got cancelled the first day and we were, we, yeah, they, they, were, they were having all sorts of issues. They were trying a new system that just didn't work. You had to then, you had to then go online. You're in, you're in the convention, and the, there's a media area. I'm, I'm sure they'll, 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 you know, they've rectified it now. But get this right. So you're at the convention, there's a bunch of people, and they go right. What we want you to do is to go online and like send us an email about who you want to see, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I'm like. We're, you're literally telling me this at the convention. I could just relay the message straight back to you right now and go, I'd like this person, this person, this person. But they wanted it all done officially. And I'm like, okay, so I've got to do this on my phone, which isn't the most ideal thing. And it's like one of them, you know, you know, you, you'll you see this on websites where you'll, it'll be like a list. And you've got to like click a bunch of ticky yeah, box yeah. in you. Yeah, and it's like they, they're they not like the best thing for phones. Like they can um, kind of just take longer yeah. than they need to be. So anyway, um, so eventually you get all that done and then... The Saturday was all like we 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 got sent to a bunch of press conferences, so we did like t- I was not, f- and also I got sick, so I'm I'm thinking this this is a disaster. Like uh, all the media is like all getting upset over the fact that no one's getting any interviews, nothing's being organised, and I got sick, so I missed the fir- the this this the Saturday I missed half a day because I was like recovering it at. at um, recovering at the hotel so i'm like i've spent all this like time and effort coming here and i'm like dying there's no and i keep getting wayne who was with me was keep like sending me texts going i'm at the press conference it's rubbish and all this kind of thing just in that it was all like haphazardly done and at one point which will make you laugh is because i know you'd have a zillion questions for Nolan north if you'd met him was was at one point they asked him how the how the weather was treating him <laughs> Because they had like a bunch of like people from like BBC News, Sky News, and various other things. And you, at one point, they got like five minutes into the press conference. I think Nolan North's one's on my YouTube channel. And and uh, yeah, at one point, like they just you could tell like they they struggled to know what to ask him. And yeah, Wayne was in the back filming it on our, on our camera, and he was just like, I wanted to ask him like a zillion questions, and like none of these are either that interesting. So when we did actually get the opportunity to talk to him, it, it happened very similar to what you just said, which is funny because this is what happens in conventions, where I was sitting on a desk talking to Mark Stay, who's actually coming on the show to do a full version, who wrote... Do you ever, I don't know if you've seen. I, I have to. I have to admit, I never. I, I've got his book. I've been reading it called Robot Overlords. Have you ever seen heard of that? It's a, it was. A, it actually became a film with Gillian Anderson. You know from X Files. Um, no, I haven't heard of it either. But um, he was there promoting his book because the book came out of the film. So he wrote the screenplay and then he wrote the book like as a novel. And um, I was like, as you know, I'm a huge robot guy. So I was like, oh, I'll listen to. It. I'll watch it. I'll. Uh, I'm interested. I don't think I'd ever describe you as a future robot guy. <laughs> well, you know, I, you know, as you know, I end the whole thing saying uh, "robot, robot jocks," which is my favorite B, like sort of B-ish movie. And uh, yeah, I, I just I'm, I love loved robots since I was a kid. So anyway, I was talking to him, and then as Wayne said, Wayne got a phone call off the media lady who was like kind of sort of borderline looking after us, and just said, uh, "You need to be upstairs in the gallery in ten minutes, like five minutes, not even that, like now, now." And I was in the middle of an interview, so then it all changed and. Um, one of the coolest things that Nolan North did, which no one knows because it wasn't on the podcast, was he. Um, 
So he comes in and, and we meet him and he goes, right, and the, the lady who's doing all the media is like, right, you've got seven minutes with him. So I was like, okay, I'll take that. That's, I was expecting five, so um, which is what it was like for everyone. So I, I took him outside of the balcony and so I interviewed him and we spent the first four minutes talking about Premier League football, <laughs> how he's a huge football fan. And as you'll know, I'm sitting there going, so what's it like working for Naughty Dog? I had like all these like zillion questions in my head and I'm like, oh, what do you think about the HD series? And can you tell us anything about Last of Us 2, which we did get to. But so like four minutes in and I've just realized I haven't asked him anything. But I'm like, that's kind of interesting. That's something probably he doesn't bring up in interviews. That he's a Liverpool fan. That's He was talking about Liverpool. So... So um, and he was giving me stick because I told him just before we started I was a Newcastle fan and we were bottom of the table at the time. Uh, so he was like, <laughs> so he was super super nice, and I'll always appreciate this. And as I say, he's now as as which will interest you. He's now reached the same level as Robert Llewellyn in terms of nicety, in in that he turns to the girl who's looking after him and goes like she's like, all right, you need to like shoot behind the camera goes like. You need to cut, you need to stop this. So we finished talking to him, and he goes, that, "Like he was like, oh, that was really fun." And he was like, "All right, thanks." And he was like, "You asked questions that you didn't ask all these generic, boring questions." And I'm like, "Well, that's kind of the whole reason I do it." And so he turns to the media woman and goes, "So why, why you stopped this interview? What am I doing now?" And she went, "Well, actually, you scheduled a lunch break." And he was like, "Oh well, you know, I didn't really give these guys any time, so is it possible to give them more time?" Which was really, I was like, "That's super nice." And he, he um, and he he turns and goes. Um, oh yeah, if you guys don't mind me going to get my lunch now because I am kind of hungry, I'll come back in ten minutes and I'll give you another ten minutes. And I was like, okay, that sounds fun. Um, and no, so, no, 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 no. Yeah, 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 exactly. That was my response. I was like, no, I'm good. No, I've got to go get my lunch. No, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, duty calls. Uh, I need to go and uh, hang out downstairs and be sad. But no, I was like, no, I was like, yeah, totally. So. Can we, um, like, I, because I've just seen how long we've been chatting for. Yeah, yeah, we can wrap this up if you need uh, to. No, 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 that's not what I was going to ask. Um, you know me, I'll talk forever if you want to. <laughs> no, yeah, I was going to say, I was yeah. gonna say, like, since we've, because I, I don't, I don't think you, because we were, there was one convention that I think we can both agree that was the worst. Oh, okay, but, let's go for it. Uh, well, do, I was going to end by asking you about, um, I was going to end by asking you, like, well, let's, let's do both. Yeah, you were going to do an interview thing, weren't you? No, no, no. But I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna. Uh, you know, I don't really do sort of interviews in the sense. I, 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 I just wanted to ask you because you've like, you know, you, you're obviously, you know, a friend of mine. You've been co-host several of them, and you're going to be on more. Is up to now on a hundred episodes. Um, are the ones you've been part of and came to me at what? Like, and you've touched on the worst, which is interesting because I wasn't going to ask you that, but like, I was going to ask you what your like favorite person you met was like at the time. Oh, but, uh, do you want I mean, to put? Um, I'd say. I, just, I'll tell, I mean, I'll keep your foot on the be- keep your foot on the worst one though, because you've intrigued me. What was the worst one? Because I, I, no, I, I think you agree with me. You, you, you're not, like, I think you know what the worst one is. Think, think about it for a second, Steve. Uh... We made a, a running joke out of this that went really. <laughs> oh God! This maybe just I've had a lot. For, for for the price of a. Oh yeah, for a price of an anime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, of course, yes, 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 yes. yes. Right, right. We'll talk about that in a second. Cause yeah, have yeah. you brought up on the podcast ever? Uh, well, we never actually we did we I did do a podcast beforehand, like a full one with the guy who runs it. But so, but I don't think we ever talked about the story because can we can we talk about yeah. that in a second? I'll answer your question. I'll answer your question first. Cause your question, <laughs> like I mean, because I would, I mean, like a lot of people probably think I'd say Chris Chris Barry was yeah, my favorite. Yeah. I mean, Chris Barry's pretty cool. Like it's like really cool to like interview Chris Barry. But like honestly, 
And I'm really ashamed that I couldn't remember her name, and I've also forgotten it, and you only told me it like 20 minutes ago. It's Pam. Oh, yeah, Pam Rose. Like, like Pam Rose, like, for those of you who don't know, she was the, she was a random extra in Star Wars, is, was her big claim yeah, she was fame empress of the old, Yeah, she was an empress or something, wasn't she? She had some credited empress yeah. role, but like, so like, when Steve left me to look after all of the stuff and go around a convention and do things. I mean, yeah, like I say, like Steve left me and made me sure I had to stay and look after stuff. It wasn't like that. It was the convention was really small and I'd look around everything and there was not a lot for me to do really, apart from wait for Steve. So I just sat with Pam um, and looked after the things when Pam wasn't able yeah. to be at the table. So when I wasn't like bothered by David Prowse being miserable, Pam was so interesting and I. I was kind of like, I really wish I just recorded all of this. And it's like, Steve, release this as like another episode. Because hmm. we must have talked for about 40 minutes. And it was like, she's been an extra in a load of films. And she was telling me how she was like, um, uh, when Christopher Reeve was doing Superman, she was an extra in Superman. Yeah, yeah. She was dating Christopher Reeve. And uh, all of these like very, she's done loads of like really small parts. And, she yeah, wasn't she in Doctor she, Who? Like one of the early yeah, Doctor she, Who? She, I think yeah. she was in like one of the early Doctor. Like she's been in most things. Mm-hmm. Like, like you could connect loads of different properties. You'd never imagine anyone had anything like Six on Degrees of Palm Rose. <laughs> yeah, you could almost do that. Like, she's been, she's been so much stuff, and she was so like the other thing was like so you got like David Browse who was like the body of Darth Vader, and like you could at least point him out in the film. Like that's definitely David Browse's body. Mm-hmm. Um. But but Pam like is just this behind the scenes person. She's so bubbly and friendly. Yeah, like, she yeah. just talks to you about anything. She tell you all of these wonderful stories about how like Christopher Reeve was really a nice chap and supposedly. And I don't really want to finish that sentence, but like <laughs> I'll just hint on what it was. Was um yeah. I should tell you. Yeah. It was she was the most interesting. Yeah, person. yeah, I do remember her kind of having quite a like eccentric personality. I think that's, if that's the nicest way yeah. of putting it. Uh, <laughs> she met everyone as well. It's, yeah. It was so cool to, to like to for her to, for, to talk to her. And she was and nice because we needed a space. We needed the yeah. we needed to use a plug, and she was just like, yeah. And we put a, we had a bunch of stuff because you had your didn't you? Have, you had your camera stuff with you. Was that my camera stuff? Because yeah. I was going to video, mm-hmm. but then. Um, but there was like the video, like the convention was. I can't. I think it was like the convention was pretty small and yeah. like then not being worthwhile recording. Yeah, yeah. Um, you did definitely take some photos because I've got a bunch I of them. Some photos and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, but no video, and then um, yeah, and all yeah, my and then stuff. and then there was all your laptop and all yeah. your usual stuff that you take, and and you needed a charger, and Pam just happened to be like sat next to one and I think she offered it after you agreed to interview her wasn't it? Yeah yeah because she did she was on the episode because I do remember yeah. talking about extras because she had a bunch of like most people do at these conventions for sign the on the sign table they'll have a bunch of like photos of everything they've been in or like a little brief description of what they've done and all that kind of thing which is kind of cool and yeah she was in a, as you said she was in a bunch of stuff and I at the very yeah. least, we talked about some of them. I don't know if you mentioned the Christopher Reeve story, but it certainly sounds interesting. Yeah, no, she, she, um, she, because, because I remember being like, oh my god, I'm sat next to a person who dated Superman. Yeah, yeah, that's quite that's cool. so cool. Yeah, 
Yeah, like the one, and the Superman everyone knows as well. Like you know, not you know. It's Christopher Reeve Superman. You've dated it's Christopher. Um, anyway, Superman, on, yeah. on to from from. from well, that's cool. I mean, I, I understand you saying that because she was super super nice. So I totally agree with you on that. On that. She was. She was super nice, and she there's. I mean, we've met a fair few interesting people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's funny was... because I have the same thing. It just happens to be someone that's like, or you know, obviously more well known in the UK. But mine's Robert Llewellyn, but because. Which may sound like I'm just saying that because of Red Dwarf, like you were saying about Chris, but the reason I say that is because when I went into Dimension Jump, and this is like episode like 17 or something, so dead early, is um, I went there and there was nobody really doing other media, like media for this other than me, and other than the odd, like I think like a BBC, the local BBC radio like came on the second day and uh, did like 10 minutes and that was it. And so they gave me, like, unbelievable access. And at one point, they were doing, like, the sign-ins like they did now. Instead of doing, like, just a random table, they basically did this thing where it was, like, like they do at other conventions where it's, like, MCM do this, where, oh, they're signing for this hour, so turn up then. So they all did it in all one room, and you could take your photo beforehand, in the which is the frame thing I have <laughs> of the actual Red Dwarf ship digitally put on yeah. the background and uh, and I took a photo with uh, Robert and Chris and, and uh, some of the other cast like uh, Hattie Heeridge and, and, and uh, other people and uh, John Lenehan who was talking to us that. and so so yeah and so while I said they said oh yeah we'll, we'll, we'll do an interview like so we'll do it um, you can do it in the turnover as what the person running it said so they actually gave me a little tiny table like well I'll say tiny big enough to put my stuff on and put it like to the far like far right of the room where it, they had space to do so and put me literally about two meters away from Robert Llewellyn's table and so I was sitting there sort of waiting for the opportunity to interview people and I just chatted to him the whole time for about I don't know an hour and a half yeah, and it's, I mean, he it's gave like, me his it's book. Really cool he gave me his book, that. which he signed, and uh, I got to I, I got to ask him a bunch of questions, and and um, he's so so nice. Like, and and one of the things you get to do is you sit there, as you probably noticed when you were sitting there with Pam, which is not the same with David Prowse, but is that you get a bunch of people, you see how people react, like how they deal with people who come to the table and how nice they are. And Robert Llewellyn's like the nicest guy, like literally just takes as long as he can to talk to each individual person. And he had a nice assistant, I mean, which I always think kind of tells you what type of person they are. I mean, outside um, of, outside of the like, so people we've I... met. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, no, uh, Robert, Robert Lewin was really nice when I met him as well, like, because he, talk, he talked to my mum for ages and stuff like that. <laughs> but I mean, out, like, out of the conventions, like, best best person I've ever seen one of these because I go to a fair few conventions being a nerdy guy, <laughs> uh, nerdy geeky guy, yeah. which is why you have me on and we yeah, talk yeah. so long and uh, I come and do the conventions with yeah, you. Yeah, many of our conversations are geeky, so yeah. Well, I mean, I like, I like, like the thing is, I really like coming and helping you with the convention stuff because I get to do, like, stuff that I wouldn't usually do at conventions. <laughs> Like, so, like, generally, like, I'll go to a convention, I'll walk around, look around everything, and sort of, but, like, when I come and do something for you, like, I get to come and talk to people, and people come and talk to me, like, Board Game Expo, uh, the year that I actually had a media pass when we came with you, because you've got us in both years, but the first year, me, because me and Aaron came down with you, and the first year they just gave us, like, guest passes. Exhibition passes, passes, yeah. yeah. Exhibition passes, and then this year we were media, and it was really good going around as media, because every one of the board games was good and bad. 
uh, the, the game designers would come and talk to you and tell you all about their games, and it was yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. interesting to get that. And like, I know what they're doing it because they're like, "What media do you work for? Get me more media time." Because that's what they've been told to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's why they're there to get out in the, mm. get out in the world. So it was kind exactly, of cool yeah. to get that. Also, kind of a pain because you were trying to get someone to get to a particular game, and then some game designer would be like, "Talk to me about my game because you're media." Oh God, no. Yeah, it's like most things. It has it has gripes, gripes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was like, I was, it was really annoying because I really what I should have done was like, oh, I'm on my way to go do this, and then because I wasn't wearing anything like Geek Apocalypse, so it wouldn't come back on you. But like, I was kind of like, Steve did get me into the convention, so I should talk to this guy in case he is interesting. Mm-hmm. But well, nine times, I mean, we kind of did anyway. I mean, in that particular, because uh, I was going to ask you like, because what I thought was super cool, and I know I was like, I, I, I was like, I ran, I got there late. Which was annoying, but I think one of the coolest things was getting the opportunity to play Thunderbirds before it came out. That, like, that was really was cool. super fun. That was really yeah. cool and super fun. And like the guy who we sat down with was the graphic designer. For yeah, the game. yeah. Uh, super and he nice. Was, yeah, he was great and told us like so much stuff about the game. Like basically said he was. Uh, uh, I can't remember if you left that bit, but he um, saying how it was really weird doing because the game's designed to look like the old show. Yes. So they had to use all of the design stuff from the old show. Yeah. And he it's... basically complained for about two minutes to us about how there was basically like three fonts he could choose <laughs> yeah. from because no, back in the 50s that, yeah. there were about three fonts mm-hmm. no it was not just that as well as the yeah it was obviously because of the time that they did it but also which was funny was it was ITV because it was a joint thing with ITV because they were doing the anniversary so they wanted to, they wanted it to be as simple as possible um, yeah. so there's that aspect as well but yeah as you said mainly it was down to the Thunderbirds is known for a particular font and it's like you can't change it well it was much, like because yeah. it's the design package so it says like all of the fonts we use are this font this font this font mm-hmm. and they're all like to today's design standards they're yeah. all crap exactly yeah <laughs> but obviously like that's what he had to work with and so I think he had to invent like the terms the old font. school Drew old school yeah um, sorry <laughs> But I was just trying, as I was trying to say, why well, I bought up all the conventions in the first place. Like, so out of everyone I've ever got a chance to go and meet at a convention, mm-hmm. like, the best person I've met at a convention, by far, uh, is Jason Muse. Okay. Uh, of, Jane, like, uh, Kevin Smith's films, James. Oh, Arnold. yeah, yeah, oh, God, yeah, I forgot that, yeah. Um, but Jason okay. Muse, like, so, most You went down to London just to well, we went down the to live like, thing, just, wasn't it? Yeah, we watched the live thing, and we actually met him, like, Two weeks before, and then going to see him at a convention. Oh right, okay. And I could talk about it, I could talk about it all day. But like, the reason I say he was the best is because like, if you've never been to a convention and met people, or you've never met people at a convention, you've never seen where to meet people at a convention, or whatever it is, yeah. you don't know. Essentially, you'll have person sat in a seat, or maybe standing up at most, mm-hmm. and then a table, and then you'll walk up and you'll get your photo or whatever it is signed. They give you the photo of that, and then, then you go. That's basically, like, the general thing of it, is yep. that they were always behind the table. Mm-hmm. Jason Muse, on the other hand, was on the other side of the table, taking photos of people, hanging out with people, um, you know, spending, like, ten minutes on one person. Um, you know, his queue was massive. And then, like, to see two people down from that was the woman who, like, at the event, it was, like, London Super Comic Con or something like that. I can't remember what it was we saw him at. Yeah. Um, but two down, two down from that was the person who played Drew in Buffy, oh, the yeah. Vampire's Bike's girlfriend. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Julia something or other, uh-huh. and she, she, she had a thing on like her sign. She's a big sign behind her. Drew, <laughs> just in case you don't know, Buffy, <laughs> Buffy person, <laughs> big. Uh, the big, the big sign say who she was, and then stuck onto that was things saying no pictures. 
And then you've got Jason Mewes, like, standing there being like, yeah, talk, yeah, talk on the phone, like, hugs, and... Yeah, it's because, that, yeah, God, I hate that, yeah. Um, my name's Chris Warburton-Brown. I was on with Stephen on episode 101, and I'd just like to congratulate him for doing an amazing job in producing 100 uh, podcasts of Geekapocalypse. Well done, Stephen, and I hope the next 100 are as good as the first one. Yeah, as Chris says, he's going to be involved in the next uh, episode you're going to hear on episode 101, so I'm looking forward to you guys hearing that. But in terms of what we got coming up, like we say, we're going to be back to Drew throughout the podcast of uh, episode 100. But the next is with Lawrence O'Brien from Wooten Games, uh, talking about his episode and the bunch of games he's got coming up. So here's Lawrence. Hello, sir. Ah, happy new year. Happy new year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Here we go. Let's go round again. (laughs) Sticking on that 80s theme. Oh, God. Yeah, we were just talking about it. Yeah. But yeah, huge thank you for coming on, Lawrence. It's it's an absolute pleasure to have you back. Oh, bless you. Um, And yeah, I really, really, I remember significantly enjoying uh, our. our, um, We actually did it live, as I remember as well, which I, I, I. Something I forgot to say. And yeah, we talked about a whole bunch of things. Obviously, about board games. About yep. I remember we talked about business stuff as well. Yeah. Um. So I guess, like I've just we touched on with Clive. I guess the obvious point to start is how have you been since I last spoke to you? All right. Thanks for asking. Uh, <laughs> a very English way of saying not bad. Yeah. You know, yes, I don't I do. know why we use that phrase. I'm not rather bad. spiffing. <laughs> yeah. Everything has been tip top. Very top draw. <laughs> Well, it's been the season, hasn't it? You know, Christmas, young people, aged relatives, trying to impossibly bring a whole year's worth of merriment into a single day. Indeed, yes. Yes, you know, as the food coma, you know, realises that is in fact impossible. But, you know, we try, and that's good. And New Year's came and went, and and here we are. Indeed, yeah. And still alive and still well. Yeah, still alive. I think that's... That's a good synopsis. How are you? Still alive? Yes. Yes. That I'm still that, that's that's more than that, that's more than the majority of people who have ever lived. So. <laughs> Indeed. Still, Looking yeah. at it from the totality of humanity, we're doing a lot we're win- better. We're winning. Yes, we're winning. Yes. Uh, As my father said to me quite recently, "Son, never get old." And I said, "Dad, I don't like the alternative." <laughs> Indeed. Yes. Uh, but yeah. So. Uh, speaking of, this is something I never brought up with Clive, which is inter- which I, I probably should have done. Is in terms of, you know, the, what 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 do what do you like for Christmas? Like what, what what do you end up doing? Do you go do you go what do you go to a particular person's house and uh, how's your so what do you usually do for the Christmas period? That's a nice question. Mm-hmm. Well, it depends actually. <laughs> um, do you go to my parents or do you go to the wife's parents? It's a big decision. It's a big do decision. You, well, you kind of work out we're going to do one one year and one the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after a number of years, you just think, you know what? I'm just let's go to Barbados. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you did? No, no, not yet. I mean, my brother he he, he pulled that one out of the bag. He went to Thailand. Okay. What are you doing for Christmas? I'm up to Thailand. See ya. Good for him. That's yeah, good for him. Yeah. That was really good. good. Lots of nice pickies and all that sort of stuff. He phoned us up Christmas Day. So we're at my parents and he phoned us up Christmas Day from Thailand to wish us all the season's greetings, which what's, was lovely. What's the time difference there then? So when did Lots. he end up ringing you? 
lots. He had to phone some ridiculous time of day. Okay. So he was the one that sacrificed by ringing. He did, bless him. Okay. Yeah, I think it was the wee small hours of the morning just yeah. to make sure that we were all. Oh back. yeah, because when good. you get yeah, because when you head east, they 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 they've already they will be earlier they're than the day. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're you know we're behind them. So, but it was good. You know, lots of things, scoffing loads of food, drinking loads of you know alcoholic beverages as you do. <laughs> Ripping open presents, mm-hmm. you know, being eat, able to eat your own body weight and chocolate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow, you can see I've slimmed right off. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like... I stand like this. Yeah. I almost look thin, mm-hmm. but you've got me in some weird aspects. So I look like a giant yeah, yeah, ogre of a man. Anyway, so no, no, it was good. It was lovely. What did you do, or have you already covered this with? Uh, no, I haven't. I, I, I mean, um, I, I've got a, a, one of my co-hosts I'm interviewing next in line, which won't be necessarily be that way in the order that you'll hear it. But um, uh, so I imagine we will probably talk a little bit with him. But but I can answer it while you because you've asked me. Is um, I didn't actually do very much this year because it's the first time I've ever had my own place. So right. um, and so. Uh, it's funny when you said about alternating places, that's what my family would do. So when I was living in my parents, um, at my mom's, uh, it would be that my sister and her, like uh, my nephew and her, and her husband would, would come to us. And then my brother would come round who lives next to my mom. Like we'll live in this area. Uh, so it's only my sister that lives far away. So like she would come to us because that makes sense. But, but then the reason we would alternate, because obviously it would be unfair to our husband would be, We'd go to Preston, where they live, where his family lives. So, right. you know, so we would, so I on mats, yeah. So we would come to them. So, uh, they, we alternate that every year. So it would be, uh, so for quite a few years, it would be they would come to. I would always prefer when they came to mine because it was just like I got my own bed and you know I don't have to. I, I can kind of just disappear if I want to. Whereas, yeah, gosh, is that the time? Oh, yeah, is, yeah. Is it the Queen's speech? Yeah, I've exactly. Just got yeah. To check something. Oh, look, the cheese board. I will. <laughs> I will just take this away and it'll. Yes, disappear. this looks like it needs to be tidy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So and all, but yeah, I, I mean. I've touched on this on it's actually a, a good question because it's made me think all the times I've talked about mental health on this show mm-hmm. and one of the things that and I've become aware of living on my own which that is a huge advantage now is when you live with other people you you kind of whenever you f- you can't deal with being you need to kind of have your own space which is what a lot of people need to when they've got mental health issues is it feels very rude in times like that whereas you know with me being on my own it's like the, the, the huge advantage of having your own place is if you're at a party and you just go, I don't want to be here anymore, you can leave. There, there actually is an option to go, ah, oh, I'm just feeling a bit tired. You don't have to tell yeah. them the real reason, you just can go. Um, yeah. which is well, really a, mate really... of, a mate of mine, Mike Menner, he has a very good rule. Okay. Uh, and evenings out and nights out. And and, and you, you get to a point in the evening, you say to yourself, is it going to get any better than this? And if the answer is no go home yeah it's yeah i have a similar and that thing that stops an awful lot of fallout and disasters uh-huh. and... i i have a, a similar thing it's a, that's a very well put way of it's a much better way of putting it than i would but yeah i would have a thing of uh if the night if you if, if any point during a night where you go i'm having the best time that is when you need to leave because that is it's, that's like considered the peak and as you say, if 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 you Eat end up and go, yes, exactly, yeah, because it's like that. It's just going to go downhill from there, and then you're going to end up either witness, especially Newcastle, either witnessing a fight, uh, <laughs> or uh, 
sort of stopping one or you know or or buying like a, a takeaway and you, you're not, never going to eat no. uh, in, uh, or you the, may wake up with yes that's what uh, yeah so I'm glad you up. said that that's what oh, my babs. <laughs> yeah that's what my uh, that's what my friend would do he said um, the, <laughs> which, I'll tell this joke it's because it's funny it's my friend said to me once uh, you know what I've realised which is really really sad I wake up more times with a takeaway than a woman <laughs> Oh, <laughs> and it was like because every time I every time I go out, I'm always uh, I always I always am that like sort of intoxicated that when I go to sleep, I actually like fall asleep hugging my pizza box because I forgot, and I'm like, yeah. And it's that like... image of him there next to a a branded <laughs> or un- neutrally branded pizza box. No, indeed, yeah. And it just it always makes me laugh that sort of image of people of someone so like tired but wanting to eat and just sort of falling asleep on a thing. But uh, anyway, but yeah, um, so the so so yeah, this year I um I saw my parents and stuff beforehand, and then and then my mom went to my sisters, so I actually had a decent period of Christmas, not really doing much, which was great, and it was actually the first time in like ten years I did nothing for New Year's, which I was going to ask you as right. well. Is, is um I actually just uh, sort of took the day off which is kind of which sounds like people go you took a day off but i'm like it's like when you run a when you're attempting to run a business and various other things it's like when you just can go i'm gonna switch off and play some playstation not care about anything it really does feel great and it's like well there was that there was that post wasn't it on facebook where it was like the bank holiday woohoo oh no shit i work for myself (laughs) yeah exactly yeah (laughs) and uh and and also whenever it's a bank holiday all the people that don't work want to go out that time because they're like oh it's a day off it's a day to go and go to the pub Uh, yeah so yeah it's yeah i get the best day to witness a film through your eyelids (laughs) yes indeed yeah um but yeah no so uh, I was going to ask you in relation to what did you, what do you usually do New Year's and what did you do? Well, similar thing. We we kind of do the opposite. So if yeah. we went to Parents One on Christmas, we would okay. go to Parents Two on New Year's. This New Year's, uh, it was uh, not to bore you with the complexity of my family structure, um, but out of the seven brothers, I was the only one able to make it up to my dad's. And although I'd been there for Christmas, I couldn't imagine the idea of him seeing in the New Year on his Jack Jones, so I jumped in the jalopy and drove two and a half hours, and we cracked it. Unbelievably, he was given as a gift Shannon's, and other brands are available, (laughs) Irish coffee, right, which comes in the glasses, already filled with, like, a a foil top, right, in a box. And you look at that and you go, that's just not going to be good. And then you look at the back and the instructions are, pierce the top, don't take the foil off, pierce the foil, Place it in microwave for 40 seconds for each of them, right? And then try not to weld your flesh to the glass or the contents while taking the foil off. And then, brackets, enjoy. And uh, so we'd been threatening over the Christmas having these Irish coffees, never got around to it. So we did it at New Year's. I have to say, they were bloody lovely. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Microwavable Irish coffee. What is that? I was telling my friends a story. Uh, which is similar to that of which I thought was great, and I heard it on Howard Stern, which uh, which I thought was very it was a very funny story of. Uh, you may have heard it before, but it's like a famous story about these wine experts in France who were a couple, and they set aside a bottle of wine that was worth about thirty thousand dollars or something or whatever thirty thousand francs, and so they set it aside and said we're going to drink that on a very very special occasion and it'd been you know and so one of the, what what their job was is they were a wine tasting uh, couple so they would um 
write for French magazines. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they would write for like the whatever it's called the, the the wine magazine or whatever the whatever the Tresvino. Okay, is that what it's called? Okay, well, <laughs> no, no, no. That. I'm making that up, Steve. Oh, no, you make that up. Okay, I, 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 you chose how little I know. I was I was I was <laughs> I more know. than willing to go with you on it. Uh, boxes and bottles. That's yeah, all. it's called Tres Difficile. Uh, <laughs> okay, whatever. Um, but yeah, so uh, um, merci. Yeah. Uh, so. So yeah, um, they set aside this bottle of wine and said, oh, I'm going to drink it at a particular time. So they got to their like 30th wedding anniversary or something like that. I may, I may be getting the details slightly wrong, but the premise is right. And so, yeah, because it got to 30 years and so they go, you know what, we're going to sit down and drink that wine. Bearing in mind they'd been, you know, describing and recommending wines for years, that was their job. So they sit down eat this, uh, to drink this bottle of wine and they're going, so they're sitting there drinking it with a meal or whatever and they go, Oh my god, this is the best tasting wine I think we've ever had. It's it's way worth the money. So a couple of days later they go to their their the job that they work for, the magazine, and they write an article it completely like loading this wine saying, I know it's only worth thirty it's worth thirty thousand. If you have the ability to afford this wine, it'll be worth it. It's, we think it's the best wine we've ever tasted. Cut to it like a couple of days after that, they're getting all their like rubbish together and all the stuff they're gonna recycle. And they look at the the empty the empty bottle of what they drank, and they notice that it's slightly different than they remember. And in their haste to kind of you know make the meal and get the stuff, they realise that they picked the wrong bottle of wine up. Hey. And so they they look at the wine and go, "Oh, we didn't actually drink this one we've been saving. So what did we end up drinking that we've said is the best one we ever tasted?" Mm. And it was a regular ten bottle, ten pound bottle of wine. Yeah. that they got from the supermarket and they yeah. were like we've been duped and so throughout the entire rest of their career they were like uh, as much as we can dr- we we could drink 30,000 uh, pounds worth of bottles of wine it shows how ridiculous the whole wine tasting is or, oh, or the wine company is because it's all based on word of mouth and and because we've been duped because if anyone ever says to us what is the best wine we've ever tasted it's a 10 bottle of wine you can get in any supermarket in France yeah yeah it's also about your palate. If you enjoy spicy food, and I've been reliably informed uh, by a vintners who is a couple of doors down, uh, if you enjoy hot and spicy food, then forget having a palate for wine. Because mm. you've blasted it. Oh, you destroy your taste buds. Yeah. yeah, with your chicken madras. As, uh, That's as the... Dun- there's a long-running thing with Lister and Red Dwarf about that, where um, he, he, they say he's had so many curries that he can only, the only thing he can taste is another curry. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he, he has, like, the hottest chicken vindaloo in the series. In, indeed. And, Which is and based he, in fact, though, as you say, yeah. He, he does enjoy a good um, cup of... Uh, tea or coffee made with uh, dog's milk. Yes, indeed. Uh, which one, uh, yes. <laughs> doesn't taste any worse yes. when it's off. We're at the Mercy back of surprise. We're on the dog's milk. <laughs> yeah, that's a great episode. Yeah, um, but yeah. So uh, no, it's, it, that's interesting. So it's 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 it's. Oh, do you agree with this idea of this? Is something that I, I speak to my friends about all the time. Do you think New Year's Eve is is regarded as like amateur night? That's kind of how I view it as, which is why I'm not really that bothered about doing anything. You know, over the top fun. We must go to a we must go to a boat on the lake and <laughs> and set off fireworks. While yeah, singing, that sort of thing. Do you agree with that premise that like it's kind of like a lot of it's enforced fun? Well, to a certain extent, it is, and you can certainly experience that by bar prices and restaurant prices suddenly going astronomically high for yeah. 
for the reasons of it's New Year's Eve. Hubs are ticketed when you can go free any other time of the year. Yeah, exactly. If you'd have come here yesterday, it was free. But now it's £8.50. <laughs> yeah, and I go to that pub regularly and they're like, yeah, you want tickets for New Year's Eve? I'm like, I'm here every Monday. <laughs> yeah, here. I'm, I'm here just, pretty, I'm... pretty much every day of the week. Why do I need tickets? Yeah, yeah but it's going to be great. Because it's the last 31st of that year. Well, yeah. the day before was the last 30th of that yeah, year. Yeah, funny so that. I've been yeah. there several last. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where, how about <laughs> The last, that's the last of pint of beer for this 10 years. Yeah, that's what we should do. We should, yeah, that's what I'm going to do now for one whole year of this pub that I'm there. I'm going to just drink and go, that was the last pint I had of that particular one. And... Yeah, that was the last one for January the 7th. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. It's a random See day. See everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then just do a conga line out. Bam, yeah, bam, yeah. Bam, and bam. we just hey. say to the, every time we go to the bar, do you go, do you remember, do you remember that night? Uh, what uh, night? January the 14th. Oh, so, mate. That was just... 2016. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> there was the dartboard and lights and yeah. woo. I mean, if you were there... You've got to see early. (laughs) Could have been a serious crush. The reason that's... The 14th. The really that's fun. The reason that's funny, the last time I was there was was uh, was a couple of days ago on on Monday, and it was a massive rainstorm. It was just... It was really bad weather, but, I mean, my friend picked me up in the car, so it was not exactly like, you know, we didn't get soaked, but... So we, 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 we drove to the actual pub, but at one point when we were walking in, you can usually see it's like got loads of bunch of windows and you look at them and go, you, you can see how busy it is. Is yeah, my point. And so room. I'm like, we're walking up and going, I think we're guys, I think we're going to be the only ones here because we go every Monday. It's like a thing. It's like a tradition thing we do. And uh, we walked in and like the, you know what, you know when it's like not busy when the staff are like kind of just like out sitting around the bar talking to themselves and there the, the, the was, the was a couple of, um, there was like a couple of people, like we, we were kind of, when you mentioned the dartboard, we were kind of relieved to hear that there was some people messing about on the dartboard in the far corner. Right. So we weren't completely alone, but the reason that you made me laugh when you were saying all that is because if I had done that on that day, it would have been the most perfect day ever because there was next to no one in there and it was just we had the whole it bar. Just, or something. Yeah, but it'd be the worst obvious piss taking. I know, yeah. <laughs> For me, I'm, I'm next. I'm next. Yeah, yeah. Need to yeah. be served next. Like, we, no one. I should have went up and went. Um, hang on a minute. We need to be 100 percent sure. Is this is this a ticketed event or? <laughs> yeah. Uh... Do you want to see the ticket <laughs> as you come in? Am I? Can I just come in? At one point, at one point, the, uh, the staff who we all we are all friendly with, obviously, because we go all the time. At one point, one of the staff came up to us and went, "We're we're actually like ringing the boss from like we're ringing the the man, like area manager for these because it's like a chain of pubs." Mm-hmm. So they're like, "Oh, we're going to ring the we're ringing the area manager up to see if one of us can go home because we don't need as many staff." <laughs> there was like, they make an argument of there's more staff than people to serve. So you know, and this pub's yeah, a really popular really place. It just it was a ridiculously bad weather. Yeah. Um, yeah, but then you'd think, well, I don't know. I mean, it's difficult. The north has had it pretty bad. I mean, I'm mm. I'm down here in the sun-kissed south. Yes, indeed, yeah. Um, uh, and the, the good consolations for northern England is uh, once the ice cap does melt, then the, the south will, in fact, be underwater uh, <laughs> by several metres. That's uh, what my... <laughs> you know how, like, you know when you, you have friends you've known a long time, you, you, you know, you, 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 you can... You, you know you love and you and you you know you have a great great friendship with, but occasionally they say something where you go, it's a little harsh to the human race. Where at one point when when we were getting when we were driving up to the pub on that day when it was on the, a couple of years ago when it was really, he, he turns to me at one point and goes, 
we're safe from dr- from drowning, aren't we? And I'm like, what do you mean? He went, well, you know, like you know how like there's areas around here that are flooding. We're okay here, aren't we? And I'm like, there's no no thought of no thought of the people who are there who are going to end up like you know the houses being. He's like, well, as long as we're all right. But yeah, that's yeah. fine. That's fine. Uh, I can handle. The, I can handle anywhere south. Somewhere of here. is flooded. <laughs> Somewhere's flooded. That's okay. I'm, I feel really bad for him. That's that's yeah. his sort of attitude. It's it. It was a bit like when they were doing an argument about global warming once on the on American TV that I saw, and his argument for how global warming wasn't a thing was because he said that something like Pebble Beach was still here. <laughs> You're <laughs> just like, that's no. So, but yeah, all the other evidence of all Everest, the other stuff. Everest is still here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We still, yeah. We still have Everest. <laughs> so yeah, Everest. It means the last bloke on the yeah. top of the mountain. Yeah. It can't be real because he yeah. looked out. Yeah, because so look, I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still here. I may be, I may be shivering to death, but I can, I'm, I'm only doing this to prove a point. Yeah, he's utterly proved his uh, last that's point. Hilarious. That's hilarious. That you're so right. Yeah, it's just stubbornness to not be proved wrong, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, God, that's. Oh funny. bless him. But anyway, yeah, but we need to move on because we'll see. We've got, um, we, we, we um, already spoke over ten minutes, but this has been it's funny. Oh my uh, God. So, but yeah, I just want to um, just quickly ask. So obviously, we, I mentioned in the introduction that you do Camelot the Camelot the Core, Camelot the Build. Um, what other stuff is there? Is what are you particularly working on? Is there any? Is there any mm. other stuff you're working on, or is it just similar? I'm to glad you asked. Before? Yeah. <laughs> so this year, the the two main th- we've got three things amongst the many things. Okay. Uh, nobody expects the uh, Wotan Games Inquisition. No, the uh, we have War of the Nine Realms, which is a. Uh, it's a tactical, uh, like miniatures game, but not for people who are scared of wargaming. Uh, basically, you take uh, in the initial set one of four realms out of the Nordic mythos. So you could be the gods of Asgard, or the heroic Norsemen, or the frost giants, or the dark elves, and basically you beat the living stink out of each other for about an hour. It's fantastic. You could be Thor. And then you play the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's the tradition. Place your the, the Viking helmets on, beat the stink out of each other, and then once you know the the few unconscious members of the the, the game team uh, re uh, awaken, then you can play the game. Yeah, and uh, and then drown everyone with mead afterwards. Hurrah! <laughs> um, so that that's uh, uh, War of the Nine Realms. That should be coming out earlier in the year because uh, we're going to be at the UK Games Expo in June. Awesome! Yeah. We were, talking, we were just talking. We were just talking. Uh, I was just talking to my friend of mine about that. Actually, yeah. So we got a We got a big surprise. Mm-hmm. Oh, great! Well, I'll, 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 give you, I'll... I'll give you a clue. Bing bing. <laughs> That's okay. it. And uh, the other game we've got coming up is King's Watch, which okay. is where it's a cooperative four-player game uh, where we can play with less players. Uh, where you are members of the King's Watch, uh, looking after the, a medieval city, trying to solve crimes. Uh, before the bad people get away. Uh, the, the idea being it's a beautiful, peaceful city, and that's because the King's Watch are in the background beating and uh, persuading people uh, to hand over villainy and stuff like that. So that's quite fun. That's, so, and that's, that's about 45 minutes. And then we have uh, the last of the Camelot trilogy, or the last of the Camelot Chronicles, as we're calling it, and that's Camelot the Best Knight. So 
Camelot the Build, we've taught you how to play tile-laying games. Camelot yes. the Court, we've taught you how to play action card yes. uh, hand-building cards where you, you know, elbow each other out of the way to get as close to the oh, king and queen. And then Camelot the Best Knight is actually a questing game uh, where you take turns to be the lead knight at the Knights of the Round Table. And you send each other, or you send others, uh, and then it goes round. You're sending out people to do quests and, and fight dragons and beat, uh, you know, champion beasts and to be the best knight of Camelot. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. Well, keep it succinct. So there you go, yeah. War the Knight. You could be a Nordic mythos. You can be the, the King's Watch in a medieval city playing cooperatively for people who like that sort of thing. Uh, or you can be the best knight in Camelot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you sound that like oh, I want to be the best knight yes that would be great <laughs> can't you see look at my, look at my nails oh that's funny but yeah no, that sounds great so um, are they going to be are you be demoing them at UK Games Expo or, or, oh yeah we'll have all of those um, the, the, we're also uh, at the moment we're working on a card game as well that's which I won't game. mention what it is. That's fine. I but A, because I can't really remember the name of it, because it's like... And then, and then, and then, and then. Well, I'm sure, um, as I say, we should mention, because you, you, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that, yeah, for those that are UK Games Expo fans, it's mm. actually ju- taking place June this year instead of May. It's so it's first first weekend of June. Yes. It's at the uh, Metropole Hilton again, yes. plus all the trade... Uh, and a number of the larger uh, games are going to be in the NEC itself. Exactly, yeah, which is fantastic. Yeah, they've, they've branched out to the other area, which is sweet. Well, it was just like this. It was, it was cracked. It was packed last yeah, time. Yeah. And... So many people. They had the marquee outside. They had all the, the food wagons outside. It was fantastic. Which and is now, great, because I was so pleased they added that, because there was never any food the, the year before, which was it, so it was a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, that, that was that was absolutely. And the out and the outdoor, obviously, yeah, as you say, the outdoor um, the gaming as well. So uh, the fact that they've added that extra bit, as you were saying, because I remember at one point we were walking past and there's like quite a serious thing is that you know there's like a bunch, a family of five, like sort of sitting down on the floor in some random place of the hotel, and it's like they just they kind of just needed to because because they like because they added that bar section in that seating area, so that took a lot of space mm-hmm. up and. I think they just need. Mm-hmm. I think they've kind of admitted that as well as that. One of the things they need to make sure they do next year, because of the, as you said, the the demands as big as it's ever been, that they just make sure they set aside some area so people just actually hang out in. Um, that was yeah. something they did well two years before that, um, and they kind of just stopped yeah, doing it's it. Just the numbers. That yeah. was the trouble. Well, I mean, at first you couldn't you couldn't play games in the restaurant areas oh, and God. all that sort of stuff, and they persuaded the hotel that that's complete yeah. arse. I mean, the difficulty being is the hotel's used for the fact that you're, you go along to that Hilton normally, get yourself a, a large latte and pay a fiver. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like... Yeah, when a deal, like, uh, any Northerners listening to this, which there will be, uh, who'll laugh at this statement I'm about to make, when when uh, a bottle of Coke, like a, a, one, 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 a 1.25 bottle of Coke is on offer at a hotel and it's about £2.50. That tells you how much it actually was. Where they kind of go, oh, yeah. by the way, it's on offer for £2.50. Whereas here you can get something like that for a pound. Uh, uh, not even on offer. It's just like, have it, take it. Like, you know? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, well, it was just, it's what people yeah. expect in, in some ways. But it just shouldn't be like that when you're yeah, in a game wholeheartedly. But, but yeah. every, year, every year they're drinking out the bars. But also you've got to unfortunately say because this is where it is it's sort of like having a service station in the sense of they can charge way more because it's the only place you can be uh, uh, and yeah. that's kind of yeah but that's changing as well I mean you don't slightly get the, yes 
it's slightly changing. I remember when my dad... Oh, I know. I mean, totally. Well, it was ridiculous when it first started. But, like, Mm. it's one of the things I love about smaller conventions is if if you get a bunch of people who are working together and don't want to sort of fleece people out with it. Because it's it's all to do with the fact it's a huge company that needs to make their money back for the guests they bring in and all this kind of thing. So they they, they need to... Oh, it's a hugely expensive event now. It's hugely expensive. They're bringing people in from the flipping all over the world. Yeah, because you've got to think about it. You got to, you know, they've got to they get their flights over and all this kind of thing. Put these people up in accommodations, and you know, it's just... yeah. And you're getting very big. You get very everyone. If you if you choose only one games convention in the year, or if you've never been to a games convention, the UK Games Expo will have everything. And the weird thing is, it's about I think it's a three full days now. Um, I go there. Tuesday or Wednesday beforehand and I don't stop in meetings and business and gaming all the way through and at the end of it people are like I didn't get everything done and it's yeah. true you don't it's just packed packed full of goodies and every possible conceivable item you'll ever I need always for feel is- bad and this I always feel bad which is why I I, I've, I've, I always misses I always ended up missing the Fridays the last times I was there and I'm thinking this year about not doing that and for the simple reason of when you know as media I try and I try you, you try to have this sort of feeling of I, I usually go with what room am I in and then I'll deal with that room first day then second day I'll mm-hmm. I'll do the outskirt rooms and then the third I'll and it it all I always feel bad because the people at the far end of the uh, just literally logistics of how far away I am I never get the chance to get to them so I'm always mm-hmm. sort of feeling like I'm I'm not getting the whole picture of who I want to talk to. Oh, and you're going to be running around yeah, even more I know, this year. But um, I'm, my plan is to bring help, a lot more help. So I was going um, to say you should bring a couple uh, of well, well. well, Yeah, which I'm, I've done before in the past. So yeah, it, uh, but I'm thinking with it being even bigger, I might, I might, we might bring the whole, the whole team. Uh, bring the bring whole, the whole yeah. game. Yes. Yeah, so like yeah, like with Scooby Doo Adventures or something. Uh, yeah. yeah. So um. Uh, Zoinks. Oh, yeah. We're not, but not Scrappy Doo. We're not. We're not. We're not going no, that far. Just- no, because that was yes, shit. indeed, yes. And I use that in the fullest <laughs> yes, sense of the word. If there's a reason to swear, that was it. Yes, uh, that was um, it. But yeah, no, cool. Said I'm looking it. forward to seeing you again, man. It'll be fun. And uh, oh, it's gonna be. It's, you're gonna be. You're gonna be pleasant. You're gonna be drawn for reasons that will be inexplicable now. But when you see it, you'll go. <laughs> but you'll have that beforehand, and then your head. You'll, you'll see okay. why. It was all in the clue. You'll have to review it. What was the clue? What I was gave? the, and then the, the noise? Mm, put the pieces I together. Will. I will. So, I will listen back intently, and I'll be like, "I've got it. It'll be great." I'm, I'm seriously. I'm, I'm very okay. excited. I mean, the games we've got this year are excellent, mm-hmm. um, which is what we always. Oh yeah, I just uh, realised in the introduction we were going to talk about how we met and we never did, and I just was going to say, "Am I right?" But this is how we'll end it. We'll talk about very, very quickly about. Um, so, okay. am I right in thinking? And I think we touched on this last time you were on the show. Was the was it that we met because of you were playing? Uh, you were showing Andrew Andrew from, from Frankenstein's Bodies. Yeah, yeah you were yeah, telling yeah. him your, you were telling him uh, you were showing him uh, uh, Camelot because he told me afterwards that he recommended Andrew Harmon. Uh, yeah, 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 I think that's how we yeah, sort of officially met yeah. then. And then I had yeah. a, my table the first year I went there. I remember was about I don't know four tables away from you and I kept coming to you going I'll get to you in a second I've got this to do and I, I remember there was one year where there was that what the first year I was there I just kept going yeah I love your game I'd love to talk to you and it just I, it was so because it was a little bit more like you're, you're needed here that year it was more I was a little less in control of where I could be and because that was like literally which is a good way of talking about the 100th episode because that was the first week of me doing media 
Like, as in the first month, sorry, because... Um, no, it wasn't going to be the first month, because it was May. We started in March, but I'm saying it was, like, in the grand scale of we've done this for two years, is that it was the first, as in two years whole, but obviously with a bit of gap in between when I wasn't well, but... But yeah, that was really, really early on in the early stages. So that was like the first convention I think Apocalypse ever went to. Um, so I was really like not sure how it all works. So that was probably the, you know, that's far less than I am now where I've got this very easy going attitude. <laughs> well, he probably lives a lot more relaxed yeah, yeah. now, isn't he? It? Uh, since I'm just so used to it now, which is kind of great. Um, and it's something... And a hundred episodes I know, in. yeah. And as I said, hopefully there were a hundred episodes more. And as I say, Lawrence, you're more than welcome. Uh, back anytime, and uh, I, 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 if I don't speak to you before June, I'm sure we'll 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 we'll, we'll dabble <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll yes, tweet, we'll tweet yes, and there. congregate and uh, and uh, yeah. So uh, until then, like um, uh, good luck with obviously this year. Happy New Year to your good self. Um, thank you. And thank uh, you. yeah, thank you so much for being on your episode. I do encourage people to go to Lawrence's site. Do you want to say where you can find your good self? Uh, www.wotangames.com or .co.uk and you can find us on Facebook and Google Plus if anyone is left on Google Plus um, but <laughs> yeah you can left, find yeah. us on anyone's left and Twitter and all yes. that sort of stuff is that, which is at which is at Wooten Games isn't it yeah. on Twitter yeah oh, Wotang Games on Twitter um, Facebook forward slash Wotang yes, Games indeed very good so yeah do encourage people to follow check out their stuff buy his games Thank they're you. very very good as I say um, yeah. I recommend I recommend as I said earlier um, Camelot the Court is probably the one I play the most but I have played several of your games uh, I do particularly like Court uh, it's a game that we we very much like so uh, yes so yeah huge thank you to Lawrence uh, you're welcome back anytime uh, and uh, yeah thanks a lot man uh, and we'll be back in a sec uh, for another interview very soon Thanks, guys. Hello there. This is Jules. I was on show 99, and me and Steve had a really great chat about mental health and my, me telling the stories. And it, I'd just like to say that Steve's a great DJ, and I wish him all the best for the next 50 or 100 shows. Huge thank you to Lawrence O'Brien. You can follow them on Twitter, which is at Wooten Games, or you can go to WootenGames.co.uk to find out all the games that Lawrence is involved in. But this show, part one, would not be complete without my favourite episode and the guests from that, which is Marty and Fran, where we talk about that episode, how it affected them, and about mental health. And it's a really, really great discussion to end part one. Uh, so that he has Marty and Fran. Enjoy. Hi, guys. Huge thank you to all the guests that have been uh, on so far, uh, Lawrence and obviously Clive Burrell. And these next two guests who are on the 100th episode, which, uh, again, every time I every time I say 100th episode, I start going, my God, 100 episodes, oh my Jesus Christ. Um, but it's been really fun. I was just saying to these guys off air before we started that... You know, it's really putting me in a good place because it reminds me, you know, 100 episodes. Uh, Clive mentioned this in the interview that, um, you know, that must be easily 200 hours of content. And when you put it, when you kind of phrase it that way, it kind of makes you think, wow, you know, I have contributed a, a huge amount of stuff and I'm incredibly proud of it. And, and the reason I'm saying this now in, in relation to the guys that are coming up is because... I've been guests on other podcasts. I hope you've seen, some, heard some of them. And obviously, Mentally Sound is another radio show which are part of that Mar- Mar- uh, Martin in particular has been on, who's going to be a guest now. And I always get asked, what's the best podcast? Especially now I've reached 100. I'm sure I'm going to get asked that quite a bit. What's the what's the best uh, episode? And every interview I've ever done, I've mentioned this particular episode with the two guests coming up, Marty and uh, Fran. And it's because 
that episode, which I encourage you guys to listen to, and it's pleasing that um, uh, Fran said something very nice before before we talked, uh, was that I, it's I get I got some great feedback about that, and it's the first time it felt at the time, and I want to know what these guys think in a sec. Is it felt like the first time in a while in any media form I've ever heard, and you know the fact that it's my podcast is just a bonus. Is that it was the first time you got. The, an open format, kind of like, I don't know, like an episode of Question Time or something, where it was like politicians weren't telling half-truths. It was we were actually like being honest about what certain things are like. And I left that podcast feeling like that couldn't have gone any better, which is very rare because obviously things go wrong and various other things, but it really like stayed home with me. So um, in terms of when I thought of who to invite back for the 100th episode, these guys were like, I wanted these guys to come on because, you know, People may argue this whole idea of, oh, it's the most famous person, like, you know, and it's like, no, it's, it can't, it's not. One of the things that I absolutely love about doing this is I get the opportunity to meet people like Marty, to meet people like Fran, who I never would meet by doing this and getting the opportunity to be a, to grow as a person. And I hope that that is the reason that, you know, I hope that that's one of the benefits to listen to something like what we do is that you get the opportunity to like learn and be better, um, which is kind of my protocol for life, really. So without further ado, it's the one of the best intros I've ever done. Like, uh, without further ado, I want to introduce you guys to, uh, been on the show before, obviously, Marty and Fran. Hello, guys. Hi. Hi, hi Steve. Yeah. <laughs> you the big extra wave. Uh, but yeah, thanks. Huge, huge thank you guys for coming back on, obviously. Uh, as I just mentioned, and uh, so yeah, as you just touched on, you heard the introduction. They're probably like going, "Oh, that's very sweet of you." And now you get the opportunity to answer back. But what was your take on the episode, feedback-wise? Uh, we'll start with you, Marty. Um, in terms of feedback, I mean, for for myself, um, I'd been on the I'd been on the radio, I'd been on Mentally Sound with yourself, Steve. Um, apart from that, it was the first time I had ever sort of put myself sort of out there in any kind of recording video or whatever really? I did not know um, yeah definitely um, so to be able to do that to be able to share what um, you know what Fran and I have in terms of our friendship and what we're about um, with yourself and as you say it was just such a free kind of open three way you know conversation mm. um, and to be able to you know, you know to have that shared and we've got like quite a, I mean Fran's in the States I'm in the here in the UK so we you know we shared it as widely as we could yeah, no. Um, so no, I just meant it more. I meant it more sort of like, um, did you feel? Um, because that's something I got asked about afterwards in terms of in terms of people listening to it back. Was did you feel? Because uh, that's something, you know, when people are kind of closed with mental health, obviously, because you know, mm-hmm. we should mention that's what you guys we mainly talked about on this show was mental right. health and your book, uh, "Gum on My Shoe," wasn't it called? Yeah. Um, and uh, and it was about you, as you touched on, you guys' relationship. And one of the things that always comes up, especially when mental health is concerned, is this idea of the, you know, I, I, how do you get to the stage of being comfortable enough to be able to talk about it openly? And obviously you just said we're on that thing. So I guess I'm asking you directly, like, how did you feel while doing the episode? Were you were, were you comfortable? Um, was were you more were you surprised at, at the nature of it? I, yeah, I mean... I think I was maybe, I, I felt completely comfortable just to, you know, just we do, I, I do now. Um, I think given that the, um, the radio show that I did with yourself, that was the first time I, the first time I'd ever kind of put myself on any kind of public forum. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess I kind of surprised myself that I was so easy in that forum there. You really were. But I think it's just that the, the topic, I mean, I can understand that people can feel a bit kind of, you know, nervous or closed down about it, but, 
um, pretty much the whole time that Fran and I have been friends, and we've been I've been certainly sharing about that um, with my friends, colleagues, family, or whatever. You know, the reaction is almost almost overwhelmingly kind of positive. So, you know, I just I just felt kind of you know natural at that, and obviously you know yourself you you, you, know, you put your guests um, at our ease. So I just felt very comfortable doing it. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of you to say, but I, it's something that um, I think I have just some sort of weird natural ability about. It's something that often people say at the end of episodes that they go, "Oh, that was like not like a regular radio show," because I imagine, you know, with the you know when you came to the radio station, mm-hmm. you know, you've got the idea of the radio station being, you know, you've got you can see all the equipment. It's got a little bit more professional feel to it. It's not like as laid back as this is. Um, so you can kind of get apprehension and anxiety that way, whereas with this, like, you know, I, I feel because it's become like a conversation as opposed to me just drilling you for answers, which is what sure. a lot of shows do, that it gives you the scope to kind of go. Some of the stuff that people have revealed over the over the, over the the um, 100 shows we've done has been, you know, it's weird. Like we just found <laughs> out, we just found out uh, earlier on uh, through Clive, uh, through another particular guest, we had... Uh, um, Alec Peters, who did, who's doing Star Trek Exana, which is an independent Star Trek film, and uh, we found out that he's being sued by Paramount for <laughs> <laughs> copyright infringement. So I was like, oh, okay. So I need to kind of let people know that we don't kind of, you know, we we need to kind of set aside that particular episode. But you know, I did, you know, and what's interesting is I did actually ask him that question in the interview. And, you know, maybe someone else wouldn't have asked them that. And then it ended up happening, you know, where I said, you know, you're doing something that something's already established, which I just thought was an interesting thing. Uh, but in terms of, let's get Fran into this. So how did you feel? Because you were telling me before we started about how you, you was he, your, I can't remember who you said now, was he assistant or carer or something? Um, yeah, yeah, my carer, she, my home carer. We're really good friends. We've known each other for four or five years. And... um you know, she's not really known that part of, you know, like I don't, I don't really talk about bipolar. You know, I don't really tell people about what I'm experiencing. I, that's, it's, you know, it's private. Yeah. Um, I mean, Marty is the one that knows everything. And the thing to me about this format, this, you know, because it is public, you know, and um, it was just, you and I were connecting in a way about our, the dragons that we ride, mm. you know, every day of our lives and the thing is is you know i never would probably open up that um wide if marty wasn't right by my side yeah he's like my protector Great you know point. because so many times when you do talk about bipolar or mental mental illness or invisible illness whatever um people get uncomfortable and they don't you know they don't understand and then they say things that hurt you that's happened recently to me and, um, you know, and so what happens for me, I need to cocoon back to people who know me and people who know what it's about and, you know, that sort of thing, because in relation to in relation to you, sorry, fine, it's just this is really this is in re- relevance to what you just thought about is it's so interesting what you just said, because that's something that came up as well is people who listen back to that episode, which I, I found very uh, I felt the same way afterwards because you remember Marty will probably laugh the same way is that we talked afterwards for even like another hour and a half. We had so much to talk about. We were like we cut off the cameras and then we talked about the really good stuff. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I was I was so tired that I was laying down. Yeah, yeah. We were but like, I we really have to I go. I didn't want to leave. I didn't yeah, want. Yeah. To leave. I was the same. Yeah. yeah. 
I was the same, but we were like, it got to, I think it was like one in the morning our time or something. We were like, no, we really need to go. Uh, I promise we'll not do that now, but, uh, but, uh, but, um, <laughs> but I, I know, but I was saying, so, you know, I wanted to elaborate on what you just said because it's a very interesting point because it came up, it came up in feedback was, you know, Fran in particular, because I knew Marty from the previous thing, which we just touched on. We Marty came from Mentally Sound. Like, that's how I got to know him. So he'd already met me. So that was how the, the whole introduction happened. I literally met you as the show was start as the show was happening. So I had knew I, all I knew was from what Marty told me. And yet what was revealed in that episode, you you know, I guess what I'm getting at is you wouldn't do to a random stranger. You wouldn't just say, Oh, by the way, here's my life exposed and in a nutshell and I'm giving you it in an hour framework. Yet it never felt it never felt like I don't know what the right word is, you know, is, is wrong the right phrase? I don't know, but it never felt wrong or uncomfortable. And, and I shared the same stuff. And do you, uh, and I just want you to, 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 I want to know, yeah, your feelings on that, like why that was that way. And, and did, did you think it was an element of, because I was being just as open and you, and as you say, you're with me, Marty, was that kind of the, the reason? Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't really talk to bipolar people. All right. Okay. And I talked to you. I felt really comfortable with you. Um, you know, it's um, it's difficult. You know, relationships and bipolar are things that usually don't mix very yeah. well. Uh, and so, you know, here I, I have my protector, Marty, and then I have you, who who you talk my language. <laughs> you're, you're talking my language, you know, and I don't get to do that very often with somebody who understands what it is. And so. I, you know, that really opened me up. It, you know, that having that, have that, having that same, the same words, the same dialogue, the same, oh my God, yeah, that's what, I, you know, it's just like that with me. Yeah, that's such um, a great, so. yeah, you've just made me think about, cause we had a guy, my, my friend Jules was on episode 99, the one just before this, and he's, yeah, I don't know whether he, I mean, Marty might have met him, but he's, uh, he, I've, I've yeah, met Jules, yeah, 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 yeah. And we know him, we, we both know him. Through, sound, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, he's he's cool. So yeah, he was on he was on episode ninety nine, and he, uh, I actually brought this up in mentally sound because he did a, and it, this is going to sound really weird, but he he did the, and if I describe the context, he was doing a bit with Victoria on mentally sound, and it was a segment about it's a wonderful life, and he was talking about how actual he reckoned that had a bipolar tone to it. Because of all the black and white element to it, and it's you know it's got it's from a very merry environment, and it gets quite dark in places in the film. And I think he's got a very valid point. Um, and in between that section, I would I would love to know what Fran thinks on this, because it really, really when I was editing this before the show, it actually like really hit me hard. And again, Jules has bipolar, so maybe it's this reason that he said it so beautifully that I it actually like moved me when I listened to it for the first time because he said. The, he said during that the one like he was talking about bipolar in relation to the film and then he just made this f- passing comment which is better than I've ever described it where he was like the one thing that people fail to understand with something like bipolar and it's not just bipolar it's kind of any form of that type of mental health is that when people ask for help and they ask for like reassurance and a reminder of how important they are that is the very thing that they are needing in order to be better and yet it's portrayed as that you're kind of just sort of fishing for compliments or whatever. Or narcissistic. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, 
just he, he, again, I'm doing a bad job of describing it because he did. He was so he was almost poetic because he's a poet, so he was very poetic about it. But it was just the way he described it, love, because I so understood that this idea of the you have got such a low opinion of yourself, especially when you're man like in a really dark place, that you need people around you to kind of be your like almost the voice of reason, like the the, the person who goes you are worth something and I'm interested the reason I'm bringing this up because that was so great I wanted to ask you and Marty can chip in this as well is is that is Marty that in a sense to you because you touched on the idea of that he tells you positive stuff but is that fair to say yeah yeah he's he um he has a you know he and um a couple of other people are are in my life that I can really count on to uh give me words that help me you know there's plenty others who don't who you know things that they say just totally cut me to the quick and then I'm just like devastated you know and then I of course I make things up that it's even worse than what it is that they've said but with Marty he can get away with anything with me because (laughs) we have we have such a solid base of trust I had the bodies I had the bodies You know, we, we do the anger thing. You know, we do the anger thing. We do the we do the fun thing. We do the you know, it's it has everything that a regular relationship has. But yet he does he is able. He's probably one of the only ones that can actually call me on my shit in a way that I I hear. You know, other people can call me on my shit, but you know, f- fuck you. I'm you know whatever. Sorry, I don't know if yes, I can, can say that on air. But. <laughs> You're all good. Carry on. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I've... Sorry. Oh, you're moving. No, no, sorry. It's there. me picking touchpad. It must have just clicked. Sorry. Carry on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, well, you wanted to switch in there, Marty? Because I mean, yeah. I mean, that's. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, thanks for for, for that. Nice. I mean, I do. You know, modesty aside, yeah. I mean, I rec- You know, I recognize myself in what I'm hmm. saying there. Um, I think it's kind of fundamentally, it's sort of like a balancing kind. Of, you know, I think I have like a kind of a balancing sort of role. You know, it's not a case of me saying, Fran, you know, you're wrong. You're, you know, you're, you're in depression. You're in mania or whatever. I now, you know, sort yourself out. But it's to kind of, for me to give a, my perspective. I mean, it's not necessarily the right no. perspective. It's not necessarily the normal perspective, if we can use that word. Um, it's not one of my favorite no, words. No, I, yeah, but, um, I, I say that. I, on, like a well, you know, a well perspective. Yeah, I know you listen not, to Mentally Sound no. a bit and I, you've, probably heard me say it numerous times i kind of avoid saying normal i, I just don't yeah think it's yeah interject that that what you just said was really right it's just spot on because um when you think about bipolar you're like on a seesaw you know you're 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 unbalanced almost all of the time it's very you know little that you hit the middle part and it's almost like marty he just kind of you know he runs over here, grabs my arm so that I can be standing, and then he runs over there and he grabs my arm so that I can keep living. But, you know, that he's kind of like just supporting me with, you know, not, you know, he's not like guiding me. He's not like teaching me. No, he's no. like, he's just gently, you know, hey, I'm here. Hey, I'm here. You know, well, so, that I, so the, that I don't yeah, fall the, over. The way that you're describing it there, Fran, particularly, you know, the hand, you know, the hand gestures, mm. you know, it is that open, you know, it isn't me grabbing hold, you know, grabbing hold. I and mean, if you're going to fall, I'm going to grab you. 
but it's that open hand thing that we talk yeah. about, isn't it? You know, it's like hold, you know, holding you kind of like gently, allowing you to to allowing you to you know to, to make your own mind up and do what you that's want to do. That's fascinating because that's, um, when I think about situations where people have helped me when I'm not in a great place, um, mm. and it's I, it sounds like that's a very good way of, of dealing with in general. And I mean, I know that might be that might be specific to Fran, but I think it the actual premise is a very good one because. I often find, and it's not just mental health, it's when people are ill, you know, the one of the things that you most get annoyed about, I know there'll be people laughing into this, you probably, if they're not thinking about mental health, are thinking, you know, you know, like you're, you're ill, or like you've got food poisoning or something, and you just really hate people being over the top, like helping, and you just, yeah, they're like, what do you want us to do? Like you've been sick all the time, and you just want them to sit, you try and find a way of saying it in the nicest way when you're feeling awful, like, you know, Fuck off! I want to be on my own. Like you know, I I I, I just want to be ill. The nicest. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. But I'm I'm saying it in like what I'm thinking. But you kind of go, oh, I just want to be left alone. You know, thanks anyway. Yeah. But you really like you know, you you can be sometimes so sick where you appreciate the help. But the key distinction is when Fran t- Fran said it perfectly was, uh, and I, well, she didn't necessarily say this, but this is how I took it was whenever I was going through bad particular times, it's not necessarily that you want people to go the extra mile, which I think is what's portrayed, or everyone assumes that you want them to do. What you actually need is, like, I guess the right word to say here in this balancing thing is a foundation, and it's just to have people constantly remind you. And I know it's horrible to do, because you're kind of like, well, how many times can I say it? But when you are so in the dumps like we can get, when you have a day where you go, okay, I may believe you today, but I don't necessarily believe you tomorrow. But if you keep saying it enough, then I might believe it that day because you've mentioned it. You know. Oh, how about how about Absolutely. this term? Yeah. Can I say it? Um, yeah. horse whisperer? Have you you know what a horse whisperer is? Uh, well, Marty's my, <laughs> Marty's my Franny whisperer. <laughs> you know because he you know he is able to use words that you know. Yeah. Somebody else, if they use the same words, it wouldn't work, you know. Um, there's just, um, there's an essence there that is extraordinary. Um, you know, a, a, other people could say the same thing, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't get through to my head, you know, to, to do something. I think, yeah. I think, Steve, uh, picking up on what you just said there, it's like, it doesn't, you know, I mean, we, we've certainly had that where, it, like, that repetition, needing that, uh, kind of like needing that constant sort of, not constant reassurance, but like repeated, like, you know, reassurance on what, and it might be on a specific thing. It might be generally, or it might be kind of on yeah. a specific thing. And that's okay with, I don't know exactly why, but that's always been okay with me. You know, if I need to say it today, three times today and 20 times tomorrow, whatever, that's cool. That's okay. Because it isn't so much that like, Hey, that's 23 times I've had to say it. It's like we, we, I guess the essence is we try and kind of like stay in the moment. So whatever I try, I certainly don't always get it right. Uh, neither does Fran. But to try and stay in the moment. So if that's what I kind of deem, you know, Fran needs in this moment, the fact that she maybe needed that yesterday afternoon or is going to need it again tomorrow morning, it's irrelevant. Like right now, that's kind of what's yeah. needed. Good um, way of doing it, yeah. And so yeah, and and maybe the, you know maybe there'll be a time when it isn't needed yeah, at all yeah. or isn't needed very often. Well, and yeah, cool, because, that's you know that's good. Um, one of the things you know I was touching on about 
you know, there's a couple of questions I want to get to, but it's just, it makes me sort of reflect when I think about a hundred episodes, you know, obviously I've went for a period of time, like, you know, I had a whole episode where I just talked about how I was feeling and I was having a terrible situation. Now that's a very personal one to me because it was me talking about me coming back from hospital and various other things. And, and there's been a bunch of other ones, which have been really like, you know, if you can, um, there's a, there's an, like the, the, what I should mention, cause I, I might forget to say this in the in other interviews, like there was a one where I gave a tribute to my friend Gareth who died really young because he, he he needed to have a heart replacement and he didn't get one in time. So I did it. I literally because I, I wanted to put the podcast out, but I was so mm-hmm. um I was grieving that I did the introduction and it's you know it's it's hard to listen to now. But I was like I'm gonna do this introduction and I want to kind of. If I'm gonna put something out, I'm just gonna. It was a. Tr- it was kind of like I, I. I wanted to be like Craig Ferguson, or, who did his TV show in America, where he's like his eulogy of his dad when he died. He just came on. He had to do his TV show, and he was like, I mean, I could have made the argument of I didn't have to do my podcast, but I'm like, it's to me that's a nice tribute, and it sure. means something then. So I just went on and I cried the whole way through the introduction and said, I'm completely devastated and and. Um, and yeah, because I I found out like a week after he died as well, which didn't, which um, which uh, um, which wasn't great. But yeah, so that's a, that's an example of. But the point I'm, you know, the reason I'm bringing this up in relation to what you just said was, I'm in a stage right now, and I have been this way a while, which is great, is that I'm not bringing my friends up asking for that reassurance because I don't need it right now. Um, but as you say, um, you know, sometimes you do need that, and I'm sure Fran's gonna Fran like totally understands that. Uh, is that you and and the way I always look at it as I'm sure I'm, I, I mean correct me if I'm wrong, Marty, but even people who don't necessarily have a, a serious mental health problem or have never had any type of mental health problem, you still kind of need reassurance of your friends every now and again. Oh, by the way, I'm cool. Oh, oh yeah. absolutely, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I was I was thinking that, and I was thinking, you know, and we need to mention that. Yeah. I def, I you know. I want to, you know, I, I want to mention that because <laughs> that is a crucial aspect of, well, of everybody, like you say. I mean, everybody needs that to be able to find that kind of support and whatever, somewhere, you know, wherever that might be, whatever, you know. And, no, and whatever it is as well, not just mental health. Yeah. But yeah, and whatever it is. Um, but it is, a, you know, it is a strong element of, um, of uh, Fran and, and, and my friendship is that there is that mutuality mm-hmm. about it. So, I mean, even, you know, literally today, literally earlier this evening when we were on together, you know, Fran was telling me some of her stuff from today and I was sharing some of my, some of my stuff with her, you know, and she was asking, you know, just as I kind of, you know, support, encourage and challenge her or whatever, you know, she was doing the same back to me. Um, which is good because that shows, which, which is absolutely, yeah. I mean, we're friends. I mean, that's the, the bottom line. Yeah. The, the, you know, the, the bottom line of, of kind of like what we're about as friends and, you know, in terms of the book and the other things that, we, that we're doing is that we are friends. Yeah. Fran has, you know, bipolar and some other, you know, illnesses going on. I don't have those um, aspects of my life. We're best friends. You know, that, you know that's, that's the, the bottom line. Yeah. Of it, really. No, I know. Uh, it's, it's, it's funny because um, it's something that I always think about. I'm thinking about, as you said, that certain friends of mine where they're they're kind of baffled by the fact that I'm like this, but but it leads me to think that there's certain friends they have that should do this and don't. There's, there's a couple of friends in my in my mind who have like if I've been bad and I happen to be with them, like if I'm not in it, like let's say for for let's say for argument's sake, I went to 
um, like a, a a meal with a friend or something in it, and then during it, I just suddenly like really don't want to be there or something like that. And I've had the 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 the, the honesty to kind of go, look, I'm not really feeling that great or whatever it may be. I've always said to them after the fact that they because they obviously deal with it very well. Is I've always said to them afterwards, like you know, if you ever no matter you know, yes, I've got a mental health problem, I've got bipolar, but if you have anything wrong with you, you know, if you're like and, and you're not well or you're not feeling great about something, um, my door's always open to you, um, and and they always find that shocking, like as in because they kind of go really like because and I don't know whether Fran thinks this, but this is something I touched on in the blog that I, that's getting really soon is that. It, it 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 almost become again like we touched on earlier this idea of that we're expecting this huge miracle of of he- like help like this over over the top um help and support thing but we don't want anything else so that we're kind of overburdening as friends and it's you know what's great about what Marty just said about your friendship is that doesn't seem like that's the case but I wanted to kind of ask you Fran is that something you actively work on or is that just kind of fortunately neutral? You know, all my, I, I, when I was younger, I, I was a, a painfully introverted. And, uh, so, you know, like all through high school and stuff, I will digi- diligently, you know, just try to expand myself to connect with yeah. people. But it was always very painful. It still is mm-hmm. painful. Um, but I work really, really hard on my relationships. Maybe too hard. <laughs> you know, what I'm learning, what I'm learning now, is to just give space. You know, I don't need to like write three pages of, you know, whatever, mm. you know, rehash it over and over and over again. Um, <laughs> that's so interesting because that's something I, I think I'm learning what, right now, yeah. yeah. Yeah, what I can do is I can just step away, mm. you know, and I, and I can uh, allow that space to kind of communicate whether I need to be with that person or not, you know, that I don't have to be get along with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Because you know, that is one of the templates that I've used. It's like I have to if, – if somebody shows interest in me, then I just really have to be their friend. And no, I don't have to, I don't have to do that. No. Yeah, because one of the th- – What I'm realizing is that there are some people, really extraordinary people in my life who give me so much and are so um, understanding and they get it, you know. Um, and then I have these other people who are, you know, I'm trying to bring into the fold, you know, and it's like, it hurts to do, try yeah. that. So, uh, you know what? Go. <laughs> do something else, you know? If I only have a handful of friends, yeah. if I only have a handful of friends, you know, I'm mm. good. I don't need, I don't need, you know, totally mountains. Yeah, because yeah. You, you might, I don't know what this is interesting for you to hear, Fran, but... Uh, it, Marty's probably feels the same. It, it's it's just uh, I'm slightly different in the sense of I, I'm the opposite in terms of what I have to work on. In terms of I'm a very giving person in the sense, and I'm not saying that you're not. I'm just saying in terms of you know when you were talking about introverted, you were uh, I was the opposite in the sense of all of, all of, yeah all of my yeah I I I have to wean it in um, because mm-hmm. and one of the thing and the reason for that which you know people who know me a long time my my oldest friends will tell you this it's because i had to look after my mom who wasn't well for a while um so and when my parents got divorced i was the young youngest so like it was i became like you know i had to be older than i was at the time and i've looked back to all of this through therapy and realized that 
you know, I, I am a very generous person anyway, but I think one of the reasons, I, one of the things I worked out in hospital, which I already knew, which they were like, wow, your brain works not like any other person in terms of, because, and what they meant was, it's because they would give me all sets of scenarios. They're too complicated to go into, but they would give me a set of scenarios when I was in hospital, right? And this is, int- I, I even found, objectively, I found this interesting. I don't know what anyone else did, but I found it interesting. And they were like, you seem to have the inability to think of yourself first. And it's because, you know, I told them, like, and I knew this already, but it was, like, one of the things that I've been brought up on is to not do that. Because there's so there were so many extroverted, uh, you know, a- external things, which is why, you know, your environment and your social background and the way you've been brought up is so much more a factor than anything. And so. and because that's when your brain is developing faster than anywhere any other time, so you develop certain characteristics that are hard to get rid of if they're hurting you in later life. And for me, it was it's something I have work on all the time, and it it's the same in my work habits is. I have to learn to let go, uh, uh, and, I, and I mean that in terms of just being obsessed about other people in the set. Not obsessed in. I mean, it, it has in the past been a, a been um, uh, like unhealthy obsession, but I just mean, I just mean focusing so much on ex, ex, like outside things rather than going. But is that good for you? Because to to combat to compare that to Fran, and I'm taking a while to explain this, but in comparing this to Fran, like I would want to be friends with everyone, and I would like let them in regardless. I had no like like level of no, no, yeah. I had no, no, no. no I, yeah. It was like I was like a friend slut or something of the right way. <laughs> in the, I was just like I had no boundaries. Like I was just like yeah, you you're interested in me. Yeah, yeah, you're and. Uh, it's obviously you learn you know regardless of whether you like that you do learn that as you get older as you start picking and choosing mm-hmm. who you give your trust to but i would give my trust to anyone who would listen like and and i realized yeah. that like you know that you, you end up getting used a great deal and and yeah it really comes down to the, the and one of the things i did which is similar to what fran just touched on is occasionally i have to remind myself of the friends that have always been there because sometimes when you have friends that are always there because they're always there you forget that they're there because it's just not it's the norm you know and so you have to remind yourself of you know i, look, I think about my friends i know for 20 odd years and uh, there's been occasions where i just forget that and so every now and again i'll I, I make it a plan to remind them of how much they mean to me by doing something with them um, like unexpected, not what they're expecting to happen, and and that's an example of what I've learned. That's a learned behaviour. Like that's not something I've I've um it's, that's hard for me. Uh, but it's just it's sort of interesting. I, I wanted to, in relation to Marty, touched on this earlier, in terms of how you, because this is something as a friend I think I do, and I want to know if if Mar- if this is what Marty does is. Whenever you are, you know, like take for example, if Fran's having a particularly bad time, and she is, is like, I don't know, upset and and may say stuff she regrets later. Because I'm speaking for me in the sense of I do that quite. I've done that in the past, and I've went, I'm really, really sorry, and I'm fortunate enough that are people who go, yeah, I know it's not you. Oh, yeah. I do that regularly. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and you hate it, but it's just like you know, it's just you either if you don't do it, you're going to be worse for it, you know. Um, and I'm interested to know because I, I let friends do that to me because I can handle it. But I'm interested to know like what 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 is your what is your mindset, Marty, when you're like that? Do you have the ability to, which I seem to, 
do you kind of just find a way of not treating it personally and just kind of go, this is happening, I'm going to let it happen? And I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to explain. I'm just wondering if you can explain it. You mean if, yeah. You mean if, you mean if France... Yeah, if France... Uh, like, say, for example, if France says something which you know she doesn't mean and she just is being yeah, very yeah. Um, off the wall, if that's the right phrase. And I think, yeah... I think the thing is, um, this this came up in a, in a in a kind of like a bit of a conversation that we were having on on Facebook, I think, recently. But um, in terms of um, any kind of disagreements, or yeah, that not so much disagreements, like you know, logical kind of discussion disagreements. But if something happens like that, really in either direction, but we're talking about if if Fran was was to do that, we tend to. Um, we tend to sort of deal with things sort of there and then. So as far as possible, I mean, we're in touch a lot, you know, like, you know, certainly every day, usually a couple of times through the day. So we don't kind of let things fester or whatever. So uh, we might take some space. I mean, Fran mentions kind of like taking some space generally, but we don't sort of go off and sulk about things. So I don't, you know, tend to do that. Maybe in the early days, I mean, talk about, you know, things we've yeah. learned and how we do it. So, so we had some really, you know, amazing kind of, you know, arguments and slamming the, slamming the phone down. And, cause it, I think it was the phone then at that stage rather than <laughs> yeah. video, you know, rather than, you know, web, the webcam. You can't slam the webcam. It's not as satisfying. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise you break your computer. We've, yeah. I mean, we've, we've certainly, you know, we, we certainly do that. Um, that would prop up. Yeah. And for me personally, it was kind of an interesting twist on it because at that time, and it was in the early, you know, it was in the early days, the early weeks, months or whatever. And Fran wasn't, you know, she was manic. That's how, you know, how she was when we met. We wouldn't have met if she hadn't because she wouldn't have been out there on Facebook, yeah. you know, in that, in that sense. But, um, it, that was, it was also like so new to me. You know, I hadn't known anybody, you know, kind of like that before. But it wasn't just that. It wasn't just here is somebody presenting in a way that I've not been used to before. The feelings and the um, the frustrations and the the ang you know the actual sort of anger that that was triggered was completely new to me and actually quite I don't know exciting is quite the right word, but like in kind of strange and novel and wow you know what just yeah. happened. So um, it was never something that made me want to run away I mean it was kind of it was almost the opposite and Fran herself at that time I mean it, from that kind of position of mania at the time she she absolutely thrived throve on that energy so you know far from trying to want to sort of suppress it she probably like you know egged me along a bit whatever but there was there was that because it was but what it was about not because she wanted me to be cross or feel angry or upset but it was all to do with like being genuine it was about as experiencing genuine things and sharing yeah. that. And I think that was as like being, you know, once we kind of like got that out of the way, so, hey, we've been mad at each other now and it's okay. You know, we're still friends. It's yeah. okay. Um, that, that was like incredibly important. I mean, it wasn't done, we didn't do that deliberately to, you know, so that we'd have that basis. Um, but that is the way, it, the way it worked. So now, if it, you know, it's probably relatively rare i'm looking at fran as i say <laughs> relatively rare these days. Yeah, she's she's uh for the audio version she's slitting here like slip like a slip wrist thing it was yesterday afternoon <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um yeah, it, yeah it's relative you didn't tell him about the twinkle twinkle little star twinkle, <laughs> twinkle. <laughs> well that's okay that one of the other aspects of that <laughs> the sounds 
is that 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 I learned was like yeah the the um the restorative um potential of um silly cartoons or like humor um now that yeah there was one occasion when um one evening we'd been together I'd been doing all sorts of stuff for Fran through the day right through the day she'd been asking me to do stuff yeah. emails and whatever and she was manic and right through the evening as well as as I recall it and so I'd come off, we'd, we'd sort of finished for the evening. I'd come off, it was probably midnight or whatever here. So I was going to bed. And then, I don't remember exactly, I think maybe maybe she called me or I called her just to say goodnight or something. And then she was like, oh, she was wanting me to do some extra editing and things. And I'm like, this can wait till tomorrow, you know. And she's like, no, 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 I can do it now. So rather than like calmly say, Fran, this can wait till tomorrow. I'm going to do it tomorrow for you. Or calmly saying, tell you what, I'll do it for you now. Get it out of the way. I just like lost it completely. Like slammed the phone down, came onto the PC, did the, did the editing for her. Sent <laughs> off and went to bed. Turned my phone on after I'd sulked for a little while to see, um, that she'd sent me a, a link to, um, this, silly silly animated thing of uh, twinkle twinkle little star and it was just so off the wall it was so funny ah, it just yeah it just cut completely through all that frustration mm-hmm. and anger and whatever that was going on mm-hmm. and so because i you know i phoned her up and we were like giggling away for like half an hour <laughs> so yeah that's pretty stuff oh he Sorry. was he was the most furious that he'd ever been for that whole day <laughs> 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 it's funny um, as you say that again. You know how you said like, we we have like a, a connection in regards to that. Is that you know that's how I kind of if I ever like have arguments with anyone, that's kind of my way of dealing with it. But you, you'll probably make you laugh when you, because I imagine it's happened to you. We will do that with a certain friend, and they just go that you're not taking this seriously, <laughs> like like, <laughs> like you know, um, and you just kind of go, okay, maybe I'm not handled this. Oh time. yeah, you're right. Yeah, uh, it only works with certain yeah, people. Yeah, I- I mean, if somebody if somebody else had done that yeah. to me, or even if Fran had done that to me on a different occasion, yeah, maybe, have, I would have yeah. thought this is, you're just taking the mm, piss. That's you know, really whatever. a I'm kind really of uh, test your luck thing, yeah. But it was exactly needed, yeah. it, it was exactly what I needed in that moment. And I do find that when I'm bi- you know, when I'm doing my bipolar thing, there's things that come out of my mouth, ways of saying things that are more brilliant than at any other time. <laughs> you know, like if oh. I'm normal. I don't usually have that, like, edge or that, you know, like, way of communicating or way of looking at things. Um, so I find, you know, uh, um, as long as I'm not, like, sc- scraping the sky, you know, I I, I think that I, I I need part of that to, you know. Well, it's one of the... It's where that kind of buffering... Yeah, well, it's, one... it's where that kind of buffering comes in. Yeah, because it? it's yeah. one of the things that, if you ever read about research into bipolar, it's one of the things that when you're like sort of hypermanic or manic that um you, you you're you, a lot of people describe it as like you get like it's almost like a a hundred percent increase in your productivity and you i kind of jokingly refer to it as you get twice as talented uh is in um is in you know some songs that i've wrote i've done in you know you know i i could do you know i could work on a song probably normally if i want to make it really really what I, as good as I want it to be, it could take several days. Whereas um, if I'm bipolar, sometimes and I pick up my guitar, I can just come. You know, it, 
I, I've been in situations before where I've played in front of people and they've just went, how long did that take you to write? Oh, I've just come up with it now. And they're like, really? Yeah. Really? Like, And it just freaks people out. And it's because you just have this hype. That's why I love the word hyper because it's like hypermanic. I quite like as a way of describing it because you have this like hyper sensitivity or like, you know, this hyperness about, you know, you're so hyperactive, literally hyperactive type of, of feeling where, um, which is why, you know, when you hear documentaries about people saying, you know, it's better than any drug and, um, it really is, it really is when you, you feel like where, when it, like Fran described it well as a, the, the controlled version of it, you know, not the ones, not the one where you're off the rolls and being unrealistic. But when you kind of have that feeling, but you're sort of still having a normal life, you, you, you don't want it to end, which is why I'm always very careful to say to people, though, it can lead. I've, I mentioned this in the blog I was telling you guys about is that it can lead to people, though, waiting for that to happen. So when you go off it, you have a massive down usually and you start feeling worse because you're like oh it's that's that you want that feeling to come back so you have that down period of why can't it always be like this and some people i've had discussions with people who have fallen into the trap of you almost you, you just take your life on that happening and it and it happens far less than it does when you're depressed so you can spend like mm-hmm. for me it maybe happened once a month maybe or something like that whereas so you can spend so you, my point is you could spend 29 days waiting for that one day to happen so you're not actually living your life properly but i think um, that uh, that those those uh, places are very dangerous for people because what happens definitely. is they want to go off of their medication yes. you know to get yeah. that high back mm-hmm. and you you know that is not something i that see you in can the blog do. why would you turn to someone and say you got a problem in that feeling you don't you wow. don't in your head, you don't, but you do. But my point is, why, if you're feeling great, you wouldn't turn around to someone in that feeling and go, "Oh, I'm ill," because you're feeling good. That's what. That's that's to me what makes it dangerous is because you don't, you don't, yeah, you don't want it to. You you don't you you know if you felt that way the whole time, it's an unnatural form of happiness. So it is it is it is bad, but yeah. I remember, but it's not portrayed that way. Is my point, I guess. I remember um, a few years ago going to my case manager, you know, and, and you know, I, I, I came into her office, put my purse down, I sat there, I was like, I feel so good. <laughs> and she's like, oh, sure. Yeah. Which is a, which is a, yeah, I've, I've, I've got into therapy, yeah, I've got into therapy sessions like that where they went, okay, this is where we need to dissect that feeling, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's another aspect, is it? Because, I mean, because Fran was in mania when, yeah, interesting, yeah. So, I mean, I was, you know, I mean, I'm not stupid and she certainly wasn't, I don't remember how many minutes we'd been friends before you told me you were bipolar, but I mean, it was early, I mean, it was early, you know, it was early on. It's not something that you ever tried to hide or anything. Is a part of you, but it took me a long, you know, it took me quite a long time. By which I mean months, yeah. really, as the mania was ramping up, because it was. I mean, you know, I guess that projecting backwards, there would have been, you know, months or whatever before we met. You were, you know, you were less yeah. manic, and because it was, you know, it was ramping up, wasn't it, at that time? But it was ramping up, you know, relatively slowly, maybe for a while. So I was just getting too used to not getting used to getting to know my new friend who was bipolar and this is kind of how you know kind of how she is it took me quite a long time took us quite a long time between us but like for me um as the well one to recognize that not just 
this is what sort of what bipolar mania looks like. But actually, this is really like not good. You know, there are positive aspects of it. And when you were talking about some of the things that you say, um, you know, when you're when you're like, there's some of the brilliant things. I mean, there are you know there are conversations you can laugh about. After Fran and I had back in those days. I just so wish that we had been recorded. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Because... If, have you ever read Fran uh, Carrie Fisher's book? Um, wishful drinking. Brilliant madness. Uh, the wishful wishful drinking is the one that I like. Um, I don't know about the other one, but the, the one I've read is wishful drinking, which is great. Which is, I think she turned into a show. Um, and mm-hmm. I think it's in that book. It might be the book you just said. I don't know because I've read all of them. But um, she described like she described. Oh, that's Patty. Sorry. That what a uh, brilliant madness is. Uh, is Patty? Oh, Duke. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I don't think I was gonna say I did, that didn't sound like it was Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher's book's called the one the one about manic depression in particular is called Wishful Drinking, which I think is a great a great phrase. And um, she says she she jokingly says in that book about she describes one manic episode where a friend of hers goes around to our house and she gets into a manic episode while they're there, and so she decides to go and pack everything and she comes downstairs and she tries to convince her friend that they're all moving to India. <laughs> and she just had, she just consistently is like we're going to India and our friends trying to go like you know we, we don't we, we don't want to go to India like why not like you know we, it's just like we can all just go like just let's all just let's all just like pack our stuff up and let's just let's just go like because you just you just you, again like you know the unrealistic aspect of it you you've got no framework to kind of what's what's doable and what's not like you just think everything's the sky is the yeah, limit. You yeah, you think everything is possible. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you're devoid of any sort of fear. Like you just think everything's doable. Like you know, uh, which is yeah. I thought I thought I, I was uh, determined to get a nonprofit organization called Wild Hair. Wow. Wild Hair which I'm a Foundation. Proud member of. <laughs> I, had, <laughs> I had no. I had no. Um, you know, I had no knowledge of anything, and uh, Marty, thing, yeah. Marty, but, Marty uh, helped me for a while, and then we both realized. Well, I that did, I did because <laughs> to begin with, yeah, because this was an idea. This was an idea. I didn't really know about like you know manic grand schemes and like how dangerous they could yeah. be, and this was something that you were kind of in flight with. So this is my new friend. Um, if I can help her in doing what she's doing, I'm going to help. So you know, I helped you set up your you know, the website, and I was helping with emails and all this kind of cool. stuff. And I've never set up a, you know, like a non-profit organization. I don't know the first thing about it. So if I had, I probably would have realized earlier that, you know, what you were going with it, um, you know, wasn't, it wasn't like a normal way of doing things. Well, um, my, my first thing was I was going to have like this big, um, you know, I was going to uh, rent out this uh, restaurant and have yeah, this gala event them. where all the rich people could come <laughs> and give money Towards this nonprofit for mentally okay, ill people. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, the, but the thing is, it, the, the foundation of it, the underlying, you know, idea around it was so sound, and it's, you know, I mean, it's still. Yeah, it was. It was nice. But uh, but progressively, mm-hmm. progressively, as you progressed with it, and as you sort of drew in other people, and it was getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and, and you know, and to me, it was like becoming less and less grounded in anything kind of like you know, rational or whatever, you know. At, Maybe like now, obviously you and I, you know, we're much more clued up, and so you know we would pick up on something like that, like you know, before it ever got off the ground. I don't um, get to do anything fun anymore. <laughs> I, I was going to touch something. He doesn't let me do anything. I was touch something. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
But yeah, no, I really have this to, is... unfortunately, like, because I, I need to like make sure this is comp- is is as uh, compact as possible. But there's one thing I wanted to quickly ask you guys. Obviously, we we can we'll we'll uh, I can pretty much guarantee I'll ask you guys to be on in 2016. So don't worry. Um, um, is is because this again, this is just proven to me, just like Drew earlier, is that yeah, I, I you know. There's certain people you have a good rapport with, so um, I hope this gives people enough flavour. In particular, I listened to the previous episode as well, which is I think is like I've touched on one of the better ones. Um, but I just wanted to say in relation to this, Fran, because this is actually relevant to Geek Apocalypse because it's something that I have to hone in, and is very. And I want to ask you like how hard it is to draw the line, which you just touched on, because you know I am a very ambitious person at heart, Um, you know. Because I was going to make the joke of, should I reveal on the 100th episode the Geek Apocalypse is actually just the manic episode and I just decided to keep with it? <laughs> Which isn't true. It isn't true, but it'd be funny if it was. That would be a great reveal. But um, but no, seriously, the, you know, occasionally I do have to do that because I can't, my problem is, and I, I, I ascertain that this is my illness because it's so hard to, 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 to just push to one side, which tells me it's different to ambition. It's because... I focus on like you know ten years time, and I think of something. I think of something that may be realistic in the future, but I struggle with the focus about now. And I do have, you know, I do have goals that I want to achieve in my life, obviously. Like, but I don't believe goals necessarily are a healthy thing because if you don't, if you, you know, which I, which is another thing we can delve into. But yeah. um, it, it it goals aren't healthy. I don't think they are. But um. But my point is, I have things I would like to do, and you know, for, you know because I have, I'm, because I, I have the my curious mind, and I, and I, 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 I'm, I'm interested in a lot of different things. Is that the problem is, is that you don't, that I find with my illnesses, I don't focus on one particular thing. I try and focus on all of them at the same time, which is half the reason I end up burning out. Um, and I just want to ask you, in relation to you, before we end, is just to say, you know, how do you? You know, uh, maybe Marty helps you with this because we touched on this earlier. How do you find the balance and act in that regard? Um, well, I I totally I'm with you on that. Like no goals, yes. goals yeah. totally don't work for me at all. It, you know, and if and if I try to do something too far away, <laughs> I get the rubber band effect and you know kicked up the you know up the head you know by your head. But um, one of the things that I find to be really 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 useful for me is meditation whatever kind of meditation i mean there's people you know people's voices or uh nature or or whatever but carving out time in the day where i'm quiet where i'm just allowing myself to be i'm really learning that as well yeah that's something i i've never actually looked at that as meditation but yeah it could be couldn't it where i because i i'm doing that more and more now which is interesting because if you're, you know, if you're like really present, the other thing I would say is, um, you know, with goals and ambitions, like money, mm-hmm. money is uh, something that helps contain what's going on. But a lot of times when we have vision, when we're manic, <laughs> we don't, we don't see, you know, we don't get the fact that money is needed to make things happen. And, you know, there may be, you know, maybe there's other ways to do it, but you know that kind of temper. It's also me. a common. Uh, if you ever read any sort of case studies about one of the things, obviously substance abuse is one 
one problem. But a lot of people do in relation to what you just said is if you read any case studies about any pipe, what people do, which makes them in a even more difficult places, like some people actually act upon that and spend money they can't afford, which is horrible about that. Um, luckily, and again, it goes back to what I said earlier, that is something I think people need to be more clear about talking about is the way you're brought up and the the environment you've you've been you're from and and all that has a factor and stuff like that and the reason i say that is because i was fortunate enough that i grew up with a family who were like very mindful of money and that stuck with me so that's so i do i think that's honestly the reason why i have them same force but i think honestly the reason i don't act upon it is because that's embedded in my sort of personality like the way i've been brought up I don't. I'm not. I've never been a a, a a giant spender of money. I like. I don't do. I'm, I'm really conservative in that sense. So, um, one of the. Let, can yeah. I say something too? It's like I just um, recent, and it doesn't have to do with the new year or anything. But I just stepped back from Facebook. I stepped back from alcohol. I mean, I, it's not like I'm never yeah. going to do that again. But I just taking a yeah. break. Taking a break from Facebook. Taking a break from alcohol taking a break from coffee you know and like finding other things you know like tea and you know having other things in my life that you know because all those those three things are very addictive anyway um so i don't go on facebook for that very reason i think i haven't said that before i don't think people know why i'm not on facebook Uh, at least not said it on here so another episode another reveal is that um i got rid of facebook i i feel open enough to say this now because you touched on this because you just mentioned it um, I don't go on Facebook because of, of that reason that it would make me miserable um, and the reason I it sounds a superficial thing and again it sounds a bit you know sort of narcissistic as you said earlier is that because I, it's a it's a it's a collection of what everyone does well in life it's, it's never the other side uh, for the most part uh, except for mine. Yeah, no, because except you're honest. I'm the no, but, only but, except for ours. Think yeah. and you know, well, but that you've just summed up my point, and I want you to elaborate on that. Is do you not think that if them sort of things were that way, it would be a more balanced and more? But it's never going to be that way because it is always going to be a scope for people to just you you, you know. It's a bragging tool to say how well people are doing, and you know, it's a bit like what I say about people who, you know, it's like. Look at the reactions certain people get, and you see this as examples in other media places. Is you'll see someone who'll have a cry for help on on these on social media. One of the things I don't like social media for this reason. I mean, it's not the case for everyone. Let's just be clear. But I'm just saying, more often than not, if you this happened in my circles, was if someone said, "Oh, I'm not feeling that great" or whatever, it would be almost treated like that isn't acceptable to be on this platform. Um, you know, because it's not something oh. fun. It's not something fun. It's not something this. Yeah. It's like you know, they get some sort of bad reaction of, you know, and I think the reason for that is because it isn't a balanced format. It's because everyone goes on there to promote. Because I don't think this happened to Twitter as much. Because I think Twitter, because it's a tweet, it's a little less. Um, but that's what. But I was, but anyway, I don't talk this far. But this is basically that's basically the reason is that um, you know it was just I, I found myself not acting in my own life because I was reading about how well other people were doing and it was stopping me mm-hmm. stopping me from being motivated um, so my solution to that was to get rid of it entirely um, well for me, I think for just, me when I, go ahead 
No, sorry, I was just I was just going to say I think it's it's such an interesting topic, mm. and it's such a relevant topic to me and Fran in particular, yeah. because that's how we met, and you know, obviously our relationship with three thousand miles apart. Our relationship is you know is like a virtual one yeah. right, through social well, media. No, no, no. And stuff. So it's very very interesting. So if you're ever looking for a topic to have us back on. Yeah, we should talk about that. Just touched on it. But it, I think it's really, really important. But we probably don't. No, have no, time not right to go there. into that. It's a very, that's a very broad topic to talk about. Because yeah, you just touched on the counter argument, which you're right. You're right. You, it's a very good point to bring up. Sorry, what were you going to say, Fran? Before one of, one of the things on Facebook, primary thing that I use Facebook for is for my writing. All oh, right. Okay. I write and I write about what you know the inner workings of bipolar and little clips. They're not like long. But it gives me an indicator of where people are at with understanding. And I, I get like so much response because it's like a real, it's actually a real post, you know, rather than these other things that are all bullshit. Yeah. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I don't have this sort of, I'm, I'm a very, I have a very liberal attitude in the sense of it's not me saying Facebook is rubbish and it's not relevant and it doesn't it doesn't have no, to just for you personally. just for me it it is a decision i made for the, for my own health and yeah. um, yeah. and uh, i don't i've never regretted it um I, because one of the things i felt since i made that decision is the people who come to me without that way of doing it you suddenly realize the people who want to see you because they find other ways of talking to you and um, you find <laughs> you know so and they 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 talk to you with other outlets like you know i use skype more than i do now for example because that's good you know you kind of have a, a very um much more private conversation like we're having now and and uh, although this isn't private but you get my point and uh, it's, uh, well it's private right now if i don't if i don't release it uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, so totally we'll get you on for other episodes but to talk about more stuff. But I wanted to say, because I've said this to everyone that's been on before now, uh, is to just end by saying, like, in terms of since we last spoke, because it has been a fair while, um, just I want you to give the people who are listening an update on what you guys have been up to since then. Franny, do you want to go? Oh, shall I go first? Yeah, you go. Um... Well, the big, I mean, we touched very, very briefly on it. Um, you, you were generous enough, Stephen, to mention that we are writing a book. So, Which we um, spent, that's a, that's that's the, a yeah, lot that on the other the, episode, yeah. Depressing. So, early, you know, gum on my shoe, um, one step at a time with my bipolar best friend <laughs> is the working cool. title. And in terms of working title, we're working on it. Yeah. So, <laughs> I know that feeling. several hours ago this evening, as I was yesterday evening and the evening before. Yeah. So that's, that's ongoing. Um, other than other than that, for me for me personally, I mean, you know, I am big on social media in the sense of you know being very you know involved in it, not being huge yeah. in that. Um, so that's really really important. That's really an important aspect for myself in terms. Are you of still escaping? Kind of spreading the message of what we're about, but also educating my, myself. Yeah. Um, not totally. I I do like online courses Good. and things. So that that's what I've you know that's. What I, I've do, been, are you, you still know. escaping, Buster? That was something you mentioned. Like we, we, yeah, we we are the the, the Skype ambassador thing. Um, Skype themselves are supposedly kind of like reshaping that format or whatever of what they what they yeah. have. So we're waiting. We're actually waiting to sort of see how that maps out. But yes, we are still um, sort of Skype ambassadors for social. How about you, Fran? Are you? Uh, uh, what have you been up to? I 
I successfully navigated Thanksgiving and Christmas. I actually enjoyed myself. This is wow, the first answer. time. I'm 55 years old, and I've always I'm a I'm a holiday hater. I'm totally a holiday hater, and I, you know, I were you know I and I was the thing that was so amazing is like I realized that I actually could change. Through this, you know, uh, you know, I was baking like I was baking like a fiend. I was sending banana bread all over the place. I, I went down to the Christmas tree lighting in Portland with uh, a huge bag of uh, oatmeal chocolate chip, you know, nut walnut cookies and handed them out on the way. Um, and like this is like not I've never done this before. So, um, so it was really remarkable. My house got decorated by Abby and um, the two of us together. And I've never had so much joy through the holidays because the holidays have always sucked, you know, really bad. So, yeah, I feel like that was a real accomplishment. Yeah, it's funny. I will will say to you, um, well, first of all, I'd say you do not look 55. You look you looking very good for 55. I'm meaning that in the nicest way. Um, (laughs) uh, That shocked me when you said that. it's just a good camera is that what it's yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding it's all in the lighting but um is uh but no um it's funny you say that because you know in relation to my Christmas which I have to I touched on with the Jules episode because that was that was uh, released in between Christmas and New Year so I did kind of touch on what I did for Christmas uh, and actually no but I did it before so maybe I haven't talked about Christmas on here um but I have definitely with my friends and some of the things that they, they, they find odd, they were like, oh, what are you being up to for Christmas? What did you do? And I did very, very little and I had the best time. <laughs> and it's funny you just said that because I had a similar experience because it's the first time having my own place. So if I ever go anywhere, you know, this is one of the benefits of having a, a, a safe zone. I think we touched on this the last time you were on, actually. This idea of like a safe zone, which I didn't have at the time is because there's a difference between having your own safe zone, which is your own flat, than being with your another person where you just go into another room because that just doesn't really work. Um, and uh, you're right, Marty, because you just... You, yeah, yeah, I'm just beeping. Oh, you're beeping, okay. <laughs> you're beeping or, or some machine? <laughs> I know about Okay, beeping. anyway, so it's like, at one point I thought you were falling off your chair. I was slightly worried. Um but um, but anyway, yeah. So no, but yeah, like Christmas date because my mom went away to my sister's. I made the decision of like, oh, I'll see you before. But I'm like, I don't want to spend the whole Christmas period with someone else. You know, I'm gonna make the decision of, you know, I need to think of myself more. Like I was touching on earlier, I'm learning that as I get older. Um, so I I did the whole. Wait, how old are you? How old are uh, you? Twenty eight. And <laughs> and uh, but it, well, I've I've dealt with I've dealt with bipolar disorder since I was a young teenager. So, um. Yeah. Uh, and and obviously you know you know when you you learn earlier on but you know yeah I I I get your point and that I'm obviously going to keep learning that as I go along, um but it 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 really is a big deal because like you know I I um I again like I touched on earlier it's very 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 hard for me to to make the decision of like I'm going to go home now because because I always had this attitude I'm letting someone down. Which I've suddenly realised, especially with people I've known a long time, that it makes no difference. Like they don't kind of hold it against me. Um, sure. So I made that decision, and uh, yeah, I did nothing for Christmas Eve, uh, nothing for New Year's Eve for the first time in ten years, and I loved it. 
Mm-hmm. I had a great time. <laughs> I did next to nothing. I mean, um, I mean, think think of it. I mean, people with mental illness struggle through the holidays in such a huge way because we don't have effective skills to navigate relationships. We don't have effective skills to. Um, figure out what it is that we need. We think that we're supposed to be doing what everybody else yeah. is doing, right? And um, like head, Marty's yeah. been, Marty's been very helpful with kind of teaching me about Christmas spirit because a lot of times I'm the Grinch. I am totally mm. a Grinch, you know. Um, and he, you know, he's kind of like brought me along. Well, I make sure if I ever send Fran any presents for birthdays or Christmas, I make sure that she can stump on them safely. <laughs> Yeah. They're not going to break. They're not going to break too much because <laughs> that's so brilliant. Exactly, because yeah. I am a stomper. <laughs> so you like you just go around go like so. Oh, that must be terrible. So if you ever like go into like a glass place and you're like, I can't buy her any of these because uh, this might, yes. might go horribly wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, sometimes. Well, sometimes when when like you know taking well, what's this next one? Can I stomp on this one? No, no, that's your bone china best friend mug. <laughs> No, and it, it's so one. funny. The ones that are not stompable, he wraps them <laughs> up and all that stuff. Yeah. Really trying to make it impossible. Cool. It's really hilarious. Good oh, that's good. That's that's very that's so sweet. But no, yeah, that's 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 excellent. So yeah, anyway, we really need to wrap this up because as I say I've got other people to interview during this. But huge thank you to you guys for being on. Um, and uh, oh, you showed the Christmas tree. Sweet. Is it still up? Is it still up? You need to take it down. It's like the seventh. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's coming down okay, tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, I was I went to visit my friend, my mom the other day, and she still has her Christmas tree up. I was like, you would? She wasn't even there for Christmas. That's what I found out about that. I was like, you went to put your Christmas tree up. Oh, a little dinosaur. That's sweet. Uh, no, this is a oh, dragon. dragon. Sorry, I beg your pardon. <laughs> uh, I have a dragon. Anyway. I have a dragon. He's in my living room. I've got a puppet called the dragon. I don't know if you've seen that, but you'll see it in the video, which I'm about to ask you guys to do when we, when we finish wrap this up. But anyway, um, so quick plugs. Obviously, uh, I know this hundredth episode, but I'm still nice enough to say where people can find you. What's your website again, Marty? www.gumonmyshoe.com. Awesome. And you're at gumonmyshoe on Twitter, aren't you? At gum on my shoes. Yeah, see, I did remember it. Um, uh, yeah, so cool. Please do. I do encourage you guys to have a look. It's like a blog uh, site. They put a bunch of other blog bloggers on there as well, which is super cool. And as I say, they're working on the book. How far would you guys say uh, are you to the book? Or, uh, if you had to guess, sixty percent done. <laughs> okay. I mean, no, the book is done. We're editing oh, right, now. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's completely. All right, written, so you're just trying to really narrow written. it down. Have you got Man, more I, words than you? I, I get, I get the last word. <laughs> well, on the show, you like you like to think on this show, or you mean on the book? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so are you are you have you got more words than you should? Is that what you mean? Are you are you just kind of thinking what works, or in terms of the editing? So, with the yeah, editing. with the editing, are you? You said you said you're like running through it and you're sixty percent done. Are you just trying to work out like a structure? What's the what what kind of stage you're at? Well, these these are the these are pretty much the these will be the final the the final rewrites. All right, okay, so you are we, close to uh, okay. before we go to the, before we um, hopefully go uh, into our publisher. Yeah. Are you thinking about self-publishing it or going to a literary agency? Um, we have a publish in mind that we'll be submitting to once okay, the cool. uh, manuscripts. Very good. I wish you good. I wish you luck. Well, do let us do let do let me know when it's close to finishing, 
and then we'll uh, we can we can Definitely. sort something out there, and that'll be great. Um, but yeah, cool. Thank you so much, guys, for being on. Uh, thank you for being on the hundredth episode, and thank you for the episode that that you were on before. It was super super awesome. Um, so yeah, thank you much so much, guys, and we'll be back soon for the next interview for the hundredth episode. Woohoo! But thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Yay! This is Chris Birch from Modiphius, and we just want to say big love from all of us here to the Geek Apocalypse for the 100th anniversary. And that's it for part one. A huge thank you to everyone involved, Marty and Fran, uh, Clive Burrell, Lawrence O'Brien, and of course Mr. Drew, who will be involved in the beginning and the end of part two, which will be 101 on iTunes. It's a shame you can't put like 100.5 or something, because that's really what it is. Uh, it might take a bit of time for it to get up, because obviously I'm editing as I go. But on said part two, you will hear from Chris Birch, Harry Bentley, Gary Pollard, uh, Alex from Battlebards, the Engage podcast, and Gunnar Roxon. And uh, yeah, it's a really fun one. But until then, you're listening to the 100th episode, uh, and see you for part two.